right, welcome everybody to episode 70 of the RF Generation Collector Cast. Man, we got a fun one for you today. We're going to get some cool things that we're going to get into in a minute. We've got a special topic up for everybody. But to get things started, um, you know, hey, first off, I want to thank our patrons over on Patreon. So uh, a few of you have been chipping in. Really appreciate it. Fun to talk to some of you over on Discord. So our patrons, Pam, Silver80, Eric, Zofar53, and Wimster, thank you very much. For those that would like to become a patron, Kelsey, how could they become a patron of the show? Uh, you check out patreon.com slash collectorcast, and it'll have all your info and tiers and what you get. And if you throw back at us, I'll give you a link to the Discord, and we can start chatting you up. That's right. So, you know, hey, a dollar. What's it going to hurt you? you? You pay more for a toxic hamburger from McDonald's or something. So it's once a month to, you know... I'll save you from the hamburger. Don't eat it. Give it to us, and your colon will thank you. And then we can spend it all on hamburgers ourselves. <laughs> That's, yes, it goes straight into the hamburger fund. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure we're slowly collecting a few bucks in there, and uh, we'll use it to upgrade some equipment uh, here at some point in time or, or get something fun going. But, uh, That's the plan, yeah. Moving on from that... Um, well, let's just kind of dig right into some things that are going on. So, Kelsey, what's up in your neck of the woods? Uh, I had a lot of playing again this last uh, couple of weeks. Um, I mentioned I'd started Revelations the Demon Slayer um, on GBC um, last time we talked, and I finished that. It is not a very good Shin Megami Tensei game. It's... <laughs> really hard to recruit anything and i, I kind of think you could probably go through the whole game without recruiting a single demon if you wanted to they don't seem that necessary and you get the coolest ones you get are kind of from finding items and like resurrecting them rather than getting them anyway yeah. um the music wasn't as good as it is the rest of the series and it doesn't take place in like tokyo like most of the games it's a lot more like final fantasy kind of setting so it's not super long since it's on the Game Boy. It was fine. Uh, the the best thing about it is the sprites for the demons look really good. Um, so they, they kept like the old demon designs, which uh, I like a lot. Um, and then I started Demi Kids, um, which is another Shimigami spinoff for the GBA. And I'm sensing, a, I'm sensing a trend here. Yeah, I, I got <laughs> myself really hyped talking about Shimigami games a couple of weeks ago. So <laughs> I've been on a kick. Um, but it's kind of like uh, like a Pokemon ripoff. Um, so there's a light version and a dark version, like like most Pokemon games that come out in pairs. So you got to trade things back and forth. So I'm playing the light version. Um, it's also not really great. It does start off with like that modern setting, but you, right away you like teleport to this other world, and the story is really nonsensical. The demon capturing is really silly like it is in a lot of them but it's it's like it seems completely random um and then there's no leveling up your demons which are all you use to fight you have to like capture new ones and then fuse them together into stronger ones and that's how you like keep your guys like getting stronger so you have to like catch a lot of things and then fuse a lot of things and it gets really monotonous because you end up having to catch the same things over and over and over again so that you can keep fusing them together but it doesn't seem like a very long game i think i'm nearing the end and i'm like six or seven hours in oh no it seems so i'm really short and sweet not so, sweet, so i'm assuming these are like battery backup game boy games and whatnot that yeah you oh yeah save yeah 
because this one too, like it's got the trading link set up so that if you have a friend with the dark version, you can like trade monsters back and forth and battle each other and stuff like that too. So that's part so, of um, the original appeal of these games. So now, since you've got both of them, I'm going to assume, are you going to do one and then trade yourself back the other stuff? I'm going to pop in the other one and just see if there's any actual game or story difference. Um, or if it's if it's just like Pokemon and they're the same game, but they have different things you can catch. I, I don't think I'm going to go through it again the second time. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, I finished Ultimate Air Combat on the NES, and... I know the bar is pretty low, but it's one of the better flight sims on the system for sure. <laughs> it can't be better than Top Gun. What are you talking about? It's so much better than Top Gun. <laughs> uh, the plane loadouts are neat because you have three planes and they all have totally different types of weapons you can equip to them. And they vastly actually change what the planes can do. Um, so it was pretty neat messing around with those. And I found two different ones that I like to bounce between two different loadouts. Um, and there's a lot of missions in that game too, like... 30 some odd missions so it took a while to go through that's not short yeah uh it's got a really kind of gross story to it though like i would not fly nowadays like it's like total u.s like secret mission we're gonna go bomb this guy to protect our our resources in that area and we need to do all these secret killing missions and it's not right these days that wouldn't be secret we just kill them yeah (laughs) it's not but we do it with a drone so you know that's okay (laughs) um i started uncharted waters after that and i just finished it last night and it took me (laughs) like over a week to play it was a lot longer than i thought it would be and at first i was really enjoying it it was like relaxing and soothing and it was just like sail around you can buy a bunch of uh, art at this city go sell it in this city for more money go buy some pepper over here go sell it and then every time you find a new port around the world, you get a little bit of fame and you have to build up your fame and then talk to the king and then he gives you special missions. And that's how you actually progress like the story. And once you get your fame high enough, uh, his daughter, the princess, gets captured and that's your like final mission. You gotta go save the princess. But like after a while, to build up your fame, you're just doing these really monotonous missions that you've done 50 times over where you're trying to sail from... Europe to South America and then over to Africa and then the Middle East and then back around. And there's like just random times where a storm will hit and like you can lose a whole ship sometimes, uh, or you can just get them damaged enough that you can't control your rudder and you just float around aimlessly until you get close enough to another port that you can like fix your ship. Um, (laughs) and then once in a while, and it was pretty rare, but it happened to me about five times while I was playing the game. I'm just, sailing along minding my own business and a little text thing pops up and it's like your gunship number five just mysteriously disappeared and you just lose a whole ship and a crew that you've like (laughs) trained for 20 hours is just gone and it's like well i guess i'm gonna reset that and reload that (laughs) Uh, there's like items you can get to reduce the chances that these things happen and i had the best ones you can get but it doesn't eliminate those things it just reduces them so, so not even an explanation like a gorgon or something. It's just nah, you're just you no. know, the kraken didn't R- come and eat your ship. It just just yeah. just gone. Reminds so. me of like a uh, uh, like uh, Oregon Trail. Like uh, oh, that guy died. <laughs> yeah, type typhoid. He's gone. Nothing it's you can exactly do about it. <laughs> like it. So like you're you start off in Portugal, and 
a lot of missions need you, later ones anyway, need you to go to Asia and the Middle East. And the quickest route to do that is to go down under Africa. But there are so many storms around there for some reason. It's like every second screen, storm, storm, storm. And you lose ships or they just get shipwrecked. So you're floating around aimlessly. And so I kept having to reset. So I ended up having to go like up around like Antarctica (laughs) and sail around. And it took like three times as long, but my ships wouldn't get destroyed. So I'd have to go the long, painful route. And then on the way back, the currents are against you. So you're like even slower coming back. And it just got really annoying by the end. But are, but, are, but are you just like moving through the ocean? Like, is it like desert bus where you're like just going that way <laughs> for like a few hours? Well, you are. And then when you hit those currents against you, you literally just sit there and watch your boat not move because you're like <laughs> going the same speed that the water's going. And then you hope that you move one forward and then not get pushed back like three. Cause then you have to wait. Oh. Like, so like real time, it would be like 45 minutes sometimes to sail all the way back and just, and I'm literally sitting there without the controller in my hand. Cause I've got the ship pointed the way I want to go. Just watching and hoping for the best. That's so horrible. Yeah. yeah. It, it was oh, a neat game. Gosh. It just, it needs some tweaks to be really good, I think. And it could be really so good. Did you, some tweaks. So maybe the Super Nintendo sequel is a bit better. So did you just chart your course and be like, oh, now I'm going to play these Game Boy Shin Megami games while I'm waiting to cross the ocean? No, because you got to pay attention, because then what if your ship mysteriously disappears and I have to reload <laughs> after 30 minutes of sailing? <laughs> <laughs> That's so terrible. Yeah. And there's a chance like a pirate could come and attack you too, so you, you got to pay a little bit of attention to what's going on. But glad that one's painful. done. I think that was my last Koei game on the NES too. Nice. Congratulations. Anything fun coming up? Uh, yeah, I've, like I've still got both the Metal Gear games, both the Zelda games, uh, Metroid. Um, I'm sure there'll be a few surprises still too, but those are like the real obvious ones that I'm, I will get some enjoyment out of. Okay. Pace yourself, right? Sprinkle and, one and, in when you're about to give up. And all exactly. and your your only criteria is um rolling the credits, right? So uh uh you're you're not using like uh codes or anything, you're just starting and finishing the game. Yes, that's right. right. Yeah. And so games that don't have credits, um like arcade ports, um it'll be things like uh, loop the game so once the levels start repeating or the enemy types start repeating and I usually try and beat the high scores that are built into the games as well um, and speaking of kind of NES related games uh, there's a new Ghosts and Goblins out Resurrection and I got to do the review for that and it is really good if you like Ghosts and Goblins games and if you've never liked Ghosts and Goblins games, you will hate this game so much because it is like it just takes all the best parts, all, sorry, all the most famous parts, I guess, out of like the arcade game, the console ports, and it just like cherry picks the, the best weapons, the best levels, um, and it just mashes them all into this ultimate like Ghosts and Goblins game uh, with really cool. Uh, art style and the music's really really good they just added the soundtrack to spotify i've been listening to that in the mornings a little bit too it is awesome and super hard super super hard i was gonna ask because i read your uh, review but the thing it i don't think it mentioned is do you have to beat the game twice to beat it like properly so you when you beat it the first time it tells you like like here's an ending but there's a better ending 
and then you get access to shadow versions of all the levels. So you have to beat them to to get these like demon orbs from the bosses. So you don't have to do it like in one sitting like the NES one. Um, you can like save it after each level, which is very helpful uh-huh. because it's so hard. So yeah, you do have to play through it more than once if you want to get the true ending. But you don't have to like. You can only beat the bad guy with the cross, or you have to start over, or that sort of stuff. I haven't figured that out yet, actually, because oh, okay. there's something, because I've beaten the game like five or six times now, um, but I'm still missing two demon orbs, so I've got to figure out where they are, so I can go back and pick if I want to play the level regular mode or the shadow mode now, and, and try and figure out which one's got the orb that I'm missing in, and what I have to do to, to make that appear. Oh, so you're enjoying it enough where you're going to complete it, totally? Yeah, I'm uh, playing a little bit with my kids, too. There's co-op in it. Um, you get these little, like, ghost men that come and have different abilities. So the kid takes control of that, and they can die as many times as they want, and they don't really get in the way if, if uh, I'm trying to do something. So they can pick it up whenever they want and drop it whenever they want. So, yeah, I think we'll we'll keep playing and try and get that true ending. Cool. Now, if people want to find your review, where do they find it? Uh, VGcharts.com. Charts with a Z. Very good. Yeah. Um, and I hinted at this, I think, on air to you guys uh, a couple weeks ago that I put a pitch in for something, and I was waiting to hear back if it went through, and it got accepted. So there's a Kickstarter launching tomorrow to run a like PlayStation-themed uh, like retro game magazine that'll come out like quarterly. And oh. so I get to write an article all about the Twisted Metal franchise just on the PlayStation 1 uh, in this book, assuming the Kickstarter launch goes well. And they've launched a couple books before, so I'm pretty confident they'll they'll be fine meeting their goals. So it's like my first like paid-by-the-word kind of gig, which I'm pretty excited about. Um, and, and I've started today like playing a bunch of Twisted Metal 1 and 2 to like refresh myself. So tomorrow I'll, I'll dig into 3 and then foreign small brawl shortly after and and then start writing and i'm pretty pretty excited to do that cool so let me ask so people i mean we're recording this on uh, it's march 7th so you're saying it goes live march 8th yes um and do you have the title of it so if people want to find the kickstarter and fund it how do they do that yeah it's called lock on lock hyphen on um, and yeah, I'll have links and, and share all that stuff uh, tomorrow when I'm allowed to um, make sure I spread that around as much as I can. Very good. So we'll make sure to put it on the Twitter and the Facebook for the show and everything. So if you're following, you'll get it. 100%. Yeah. And I'm just super pumped to have, assuming they, they like the article once I submit it, that uh, I've got something in print that I got like paid to do. Like It's just pretty, pretty neat. Yeah, that's yeah. exciting stuff. Yeah. It's like fifteen year old me reading a game pro like <laughs> I could do this. Like finally yeah. happening. <laughs> do you, so you're gonna go under a moniker like Sushi X or you're gonna be the crab master or you gonna... no, just, <laughs> just my my regular name. <laughs> Man, I haven't thought about Sushi X in a while. Yeah, right. It's been a few years. Um if you don't know that joke, uh we're old. You're not. <laughs> so Google it. Mag- magazines are things you used to get in the mail. <laughs> yeah, they're made of paper and newsprint and they had pictures in them. It was pretty cool. Yeah. Boutique um, items now. <laughs> so, awesome. Very good. Well, that's, I'm excited for you. So, uh, yeah, well, I'll have to see what I can do to get the first imprint uh, work by 
uh, Kelsey here yeah. in my hands. Yeah. Good. So, so if first paid, uh, uh, so you said first paid uh, uh, by the word. Uh, so I, I'm assuming we're going to have just like thousands and thousands. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be very wordy. Well, because it's a magazine, there's there's a cap break, so you have to fit it all in. It's not like an right. online one where I can just keep going. Right, right. Yeah. At, at the end of the page, it'll, it's continued on page 942 if you want to read the rest yeah. of it. I, I can talk yeah. a lot about Twisted Metal too. I, I look forward to that. I, yeah. I, I can't wait to read that. Um, and then I had some pickups for the first time in a long time recently hey. as well. Hey! Uh, now that you got uh, that VG Charts money rolling in, why not buy a few <laughs> games? Exactly. <laughs> um, I picked up complete in box copies of Super C and Jackal. For the NES, um, I love Jackal so much. Which, yeah, like two new silver box games. I'm mm. pretty pumped about. And Beautiful. like, I know you love Jackal. Jackal's fine. It's it's not my favorite, but I really like Super C, so I'm, I'm really yeah. excited about that one. Uh, I picked up Persona Q2, which we talked about a couple weeks back on the Shimigami show. It's one of the last uh, Shimigami games I'm missing, like period. So I was pretty excited about that, and I think after I'm done Demi Kids, that might be the next one I boot up. And then I've been waiting since Christmas time to get this Annapurna collection in the mail, and it finally showed up. They kept delaying it like one to two <laughs> weeks at a time. It's like, it's supposed to show up on December 22nd. Ah, sorry, it's going to be January 1st. It's going to be January 14th, maybe February now. And then it is pushing <laughs> it back and pushing it back. Finally came. It's got 10 games in it. Half of them I'm like super excited about, and the other half I don't know anything about, but just based on other things I've played from this company, I'm pretty interested to try them out. The worst case scenario, they'll just be super interesting because they, they've got a pretty high-quality stuff uh, from what I've seen so far. So I've never played an <laughs> Annapurna game, so can you... Is there any of them I would have heard of? So Bill's been talking about Outer Wilds for a long time, and that's one of the ones yeah, okay. included in this collection. Um, Sayonara Wild Hearts is one I've been really looking forward to. No, that was, that was a big one, 2019, like a big indie one. Um, I'm trying to think what you might know in there. Donut County? You heard of that one? Mm-hmm. No? Yeah. Well, I will play them, and I'll tell you which ones would be Chris Games to look into. All right, if there are any, let me know. Yep. There's got to be it's ten games. Got to be at least one of them. Yep. I don't know. This company could be like famous for walking simulators. For all I know, I, uh, I don't know. Th- there's well, like what remains of Edith Finch is part of this, and that's like a walking simulator. Oh, okay. They, they, I'm not interested in that. They're they're a publisher, <laughs> so they they pull from like really cool indies all over the place. So they've got a oh, okay. whole bunch of different kinds of things. Right. And and Annapurna is also probably more well known in the film uh, industry um, uh, for um, uh, a production company and a distribution company. Um, there's a good chance that you've uh, at least heard of or seen multiple pictures that were at least co-produced by Annapurna. Um, just like off the top of my head, you got uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Um, uh, oh, what do we got? Let me. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, Killing Them Softly, if you're a Brad Pitt fan. Uh, <laughs> Which everyone that, is. Yeah. Um, you ever see that movie, Her, with uh, Joaquin Phoenix, the Spike Jones uh, movie? I, I remember seeing ads for it in trailers, it's, but I've never seen it. It's fantastic. Um, but yeah, just just give uh, Annapurna a quick Google. Um, but they're, 
it's it's weird because like I know them more as a film company, and I started playing games, and like I saw Annapurna logo come up, and I'm like, that's kind of weird. And they're at PAX, like with all like these games that are like under their their brand there. But Outer Wilds really got them on my radar as like a game uh, a publisher slash uh, production slash distribution company. Right. Um, but yeah, they've got a lot of a good eye, like a lot of really good uh, uh, smaller good titles there. So I'm glad that collection happened for you. Me too. Very excited to dig cool. into it. Awesome. So you've had a very busy couple of weeks. Yeah. I, that was it, though. I'm done now. Someone else go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, Bill, looks like you've got a lot, too. Maybe I should wrap up the end because I don't have nearly as much. Do you want to sure. tell everybody what's up? Yeah, just uh, a, you know, a few things I jotted down for the last couple of weeks. Um, I told you guys off air uh, that uh, uh, I had date night last night, which was kind of nice. Uh, my parents watched the kids, and uh, my wife and I... Um, uh, we ended up talking to my sister, and they were like, "Oh, like come, come down here, you know, just uh, hang out with us." So we had like a nice little cozy night in, and um, we ordered some food, and we played one of our favorite tabletop card games called Anomia. Um, so if anyone hasn't heard of this game, uh, it's really, really cool, really simple. Takes ten seconds to learn how to play it, and like once around the table, and then everyone's like, "Okay, like I got this." Um, so uh, Anomia is the um, how do I explain it? It's the phenomena that happens when your brain is trying to come up with a word. Uh, so, Chris, name a city in France. Paris. So what just happened in your brain like where you're like trying to think of a word? Like That's called anomia. So the way the oh, game okay. works is uh, there's a couple of decks on the, uh, on the center of the table. And then each, like the first, so like I'll like flip a card uh, face up in front of me. And it'll have like a type of thing like it'll say you know mode of transportation and it'll have a colored symbol and then the next person flips their card it'll have it'll say you know uh an opera and it'll have a different colored symbol so everyone keeps going around the table flipping until two of the symbols match and then those two players face off so if me and Krabby uh matched or me and kelsey rather um if his card said type of tool and my card said you know mode of transportation i have to say like uh hammer before he says uh bus you know and then, <laughs> so whoever gets it like gets that other player's card and that's a point but what can happen is since you've been like flipping cards over this whole time once i take that card as a point it's now revealed another symbol any other player uh, at the table can now have a face-off because if the if the symbols match so it's cool in that sense because it's not like you're just waiting for it to get back around to you you kind of have to like be on your toes and and you kind of try to keep things in the chamber. So like you're looking, and it's like, okay, uh, a, a wrestling move, a city in Paris, uh, this. So like you're trying to like have them like ready to go. Um, so it behooves everyone to kind of move quickly. So that way you don't give people a chance to kind of like figure out what the answers are in the head before they go. And it's just so much fun because like without fail, you flip a car down. And it's it's it, there's there's like tension, right? Because you're like you're trying to think of it before them. And uh, last night, one of the 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 matches, I had to come up with a DJ. And you know, like my sisters matches me, and like I don't know any DJ. So like it flipped. I, you see the 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 symbols match, and I'm like uh, snazzy, and then just laughter breaks out. Like okay, yeah, DJ <laughs> snazzy Jeff, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> So Anomia is a fantastic game. It's like a $10 deck of cards you can get from uh, Amazon. They do have a party version that's like 
five or six different decks. It's probably like a twenty or twenty-five dollar package, so that gives you like a bunch of variety because there's only so much variety you can get with this, you know, ten-dollar, you know, small stack. So uh, highly recommend it if uh, you just like something just like super quick. Even if you have a regular game night, and you're just looking for something to kind of break the ice. It's super super fun. Anomia is awesome. That sounds great. Yeah, we used to just play something like Love Letter before we play our, our actual game, and that sounds like a perfect kind of thing like that. Just to get everybody warmed up and working and laughing. It, it, Exactly. Like, so my friends, they would always have, like, uh, so Love Letter, which you guys got me, a Batman Love Letter, like the first uh, uh, retro world that you guys all visited for. I still have it. Um, but yeah, it would be like, um, uh, what's it's called, like Bang or Bang Bang or yeah, something like that. Bang. Like, Bang's yep. awesome. Yeah. So there's like a whole bunch of uh, resistance, I think, like these little um, kind of mm-hmm. like, like starters. And they're just fa- like, they're fantastic to just sit down and say, okay, kind of get everyone in the mode. So yeah, I highly recommend that as like a good starter or just like a fun little party game. Um, so next, we have our first drive-up Pokemon code experience, which I didn't know was a thing. So um, what is that? I don't know what that means either. So a girl I work with, uh, she came in my office just to kind of say hi, and she had like a mask on that had Pokemon on it. And I was like, "Oh, you play Pokemon?" She's like, "Yeah, I'm into it." And I said, "Yeah, my kids are playing Sword and Shield." And they're, you know, upset because they don't know how to get all these special event Pokemon and stuff like that. And I was like, how do I get the event Pokemon? And she's like, you have to go to GameStop. And I was like, really? So she's like, yeah, like download Pokemon Pass on your phone, like log in with your trainer, like ID, and you like physically like drive to GameStop and you can do it outside. So it's like a, like a curbside thing. But once you get near a GameStop, like you get on their Wi-Fi and it's like, oh, you've arrived. And like you press the thing and it gives you a code. And we went home and we got a shiny Toxtricity or something like that. Shiny, that, nice. Yeah. So I don't know what you know shiny means versus <laughs> non-shiny. Uh, it's like a 1 in 400 chance that you'll catch a shiny rather than a regular when you play it. So they're oh, okay. the exact same. They're just like super rare. It's like when you play Magic and you like pull a foil card out of the pack. And you're like, oh, gotcha, I got gotcha. Foil. Gotcha, okay. So, so yeah, it's a shiny Toxtricity, um, and Callahan was he's like, oh, I wonder what level it's going to be. And we got home, and he was like, 50? This is great. <laughs> so uh, it, it was cool. So And she also showed me the website that kind of, like, has all, like, the schedule of, like, events, like, you know, from February to March or March to April. So now I have, like, a little, you know, little thing I can work on to make sure the kids get their, their event guys. So uh, so that was, a, that was a fun little thing to nice. do together. Um, so, uh, I mentioned before that I hadn't been playing as much Destiny. Um, I grabbed some of the guys and I, uh, I went through the pre-sage mission, which is the latest exotic, uh, uh, weapon mission. And it was really good. And I got the weapon and it's really cool. Um, and one of the, uh, uh, traits of the weapon is, I think it's called a transfiguration, which just means every next version of that weapon will drop with random perks on it. Uh, which is new for exotic stuff. Normally it just has set roles and like that's what you get for it. Um, so that's cool. That's all well and fine. I'm not really motivated to keep grinding for, you know, that exotic scout rifle, but, you know, glad it's there for some people. Um, so uh got through that. I think I mentioned last time that I finished Ori and the Blind Forest, and that was really good. I started Will of the Wisps, which is familiar um, but you know, I can already tell that it's, 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 it's starting off a bit different without spoiling the, the story that they tell you, like right in the very beginning, you kind of start off separated from your friends. And as you're kind of going back to them, you start encountering enemies and the, the attack mechanism in the first game, it wasn't like your standard, you know, Metroid game where you're firing a projectile across the screen or like Castlevania where you have a whip or a sword. It was almost like this, like 
you would hit the attack button and whatever was like in kind of like your your range where you could hit something it was almost like like a, like an energy beam would kind of like uh would kind of just go out and like hit that thing so whether like you were kind of on the same plane as them or they were 10 degrees up 20 30 40 whatever you just kept hitting that x button and it would you know that energy would kind of like hit that guy you still had to like dodge their projectiles and stuff like that so that was kind of cool um so in the second in this game so far that doesn't exist yet um it might eventually but you have no weapon at all, so you just have to avoid enemies early on. And every once in a while, you pick up a torch, and then you can swing the torch. So you physically have to, like, you know, like attack stuff, like, uh, uh, like, uh, you know, in a lot of other games. So um, I'm still very early on, um, but I just wanted to, you know, give it a try and get it started. Um, I think I mentioned uh, that I was planning on playing Doom Eternal, so I got through the first like two and a half, three levels of that. I'm not really feeling it. I really, really liked the uh, 2016 uh, uh, Doom game. I don't know if you call it remake, reboot, whatever you want to call it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Doom Eternal, it looks the same. It feels the same. It's got kind of the same, you know, like like super, like industrial, like nine-string guitar, like heavy, like low, you know, uh, like death metal-y, you know, satanic type, uh, you know, chug that they want that they had in the, in the last one. The combat's very, very, very fast, just like the last one, but they've kind of tweaked the mechanics a little bit, and it's it just doesn't feel right to me. Like, in the first game, you couldn't really s sit back and pick guys off because you couldn't get any health or ammo. You got health and ammo by, like, you know, getting up close, and, like, if you did, like, one of those glory kills where you got someone's health down really far, then they would kind of flash, and then you could go in and do that, like, you know, brutal kind of similar to like the x-ray kills or like the you know the the ultra violent moves in mortal Kombat, where you would just like destroy them and then they would explode like you know health and then you had the chainsaw which would you know make ammo drop out of these guys so they've they've tweaked it a little bit where you have like this flamethrower attachment and when you flamethrow people like while they're burning they drop off like armor shards and then like when you kill the, if you kill them before like the fire kills them they drop like a whole bunch of armor and you still have the chainsaw, you still have the glory kills, you also have this thing called Blood Punch, um, that like you, you like, you it's a like. Good name for a band. Yeah, right? <laughs> so you, you, uh, as you're like, you know, doing more and more kills, and I forget what, what like levels it up, but like as it's like filling, it's almost like your super meter in a fighting game. Like as it's filling it up, it's like, alright, like Blood Punch is charged, your next melee will just like blow up like three or four people, you know, or like enemies that are all like right there, so it's, it's there's a lot more going on like even early on so in the first game you could kind of go about it any way you wanted as long as you kind of you know were in the fray so you could you know jump over here and shoot that guy and then jump over here and go up there and get a power up and get this guy and it just felt awesome like a lot of freedom you know even though you kind of had to play within their system you were free to to uh approach the combat however you wanted and in eternal even though I'm playing like on, I'm not playing on the, the I'm playing on the regular difficulty, not the the uh, I forget the hurt, uh, hurt me plenty or like whatever like the regular one is, and um, I, I feel like I'm like really 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 close to death like all the time, which maybe is how they want me to feel, but like it's you know every time I get in a little fight, even with a couple little dudes. I'm like, why am I like flashing red like I'm gonna die? It's like, oh, because I didn't flamethrow to get my armor. And it's like, why am I out of ammo? I've I've killed like two guys, and it's like, oh, I gotta go chainsaw that guy. So I feel hamstrung into like doing exactly the thing that like I have to do to get more of the resource that I need. 
So the combat doesn't feel like just satisfying. It feels like I have to do this and I have to do that. So um, and I, I couldn't really um, uh, like vocalize that as well as uh, I spoke to um, uh, uh, Zophar uh, Travis on the Discord. And he kind of the way he put it was the first game felt more like like intense improv in the combat, whereas the second game feels more like you're trying to solve a puzzle that only has one solution. Mm. So it's very like trial and error. Like you'll die in a fight eight times and it's like, okay, well next time I'll kill that guy first and then that guy and then fire these guys. And it's like, I don't want to play doom that way. So, um, I'm giving it a little break. We'll see if, uh, uh, if I feel the, the urge to go back to it. Um, and uh, I just wrote down on here, um, just my, my wife had to run some errands the other day, and the kids were uh, wanted to play something. So we fired up uh, Game Pass, and they saw the, the logo for Enter the Gungeon. And they were like, what's a Gungeon? And I was like, we well, you know what a Dungeon is, right? And he's like, of course, Minecraft Dungeons. It's a dangerous <laughs> place. So um, I was like, yeah, it's a, it's a Dungeon, but, you know, like a lot of guns. It's like a, it's like a little pun, you know, a little, little, little thing they're doing there. So we played it a little bit, and it's interesting. I've never played it before, heard a lot of things about it. Uh, it's very interesting. Um, it's got some charm. It's got some humor. Um, but it's just one of those things that I played, and I'm like, all right, like now I kind of know what that's about. So it's like you know, twin stick in the sense that you have your motion and your aim. It's weird, though, because you would think that the trigger would shoot the gun, and it doesn't. Like, the left bumper shoots the gun, which is weird. You can probably customize all this stuff, but I just felt it was weird for the default for the left bumper to be shooting your gun. And um, so it's got some cool mechanics, like the dodge roll, and, uh, you know, like, uh, what do you call it? They call it blanks, where, like, you can uh, clear out, like, every uh, projectile that's on the screen if you get in, like, a bullet hell situation that you can't get out of. And it, uh, like, stops uh, new projectiles from being able to be shot by enemies for, like, a few seconds. Um, so, uh, and it it, seem, it seems very, you know, gungeon crawlery. Um, <laughs> you're just going through levels and opening chests, and here's a new gun, and then let's try this one. So we played it for, like, 30, 40 minutes, and it's like, oh, that's cool, that's interesting, but, like, that's that's probably it for us, just, you know, uh, exactly a quick exactly uh, how I felt about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, hmm. um, so, that, so that was all right. Um so just and the last update uh, uh, in the PlayStation 5 realm is uh, still no success uh, in a trying to obtain one. A couple times I was sitting at my desk when PS5 stock alerts popped, and like once or twice I like went to the site, refresh, add to cart. No, okay, not happening. I'm not going crazy over it. Um, but our <coughs> friend um, uh, Colin uh, GamerSense, who uh, some listeners will remember from our Bioshock uh, uh, playthrough episode, um, uh, Bioshock Infinite. He was able to get one, um, and he just tweeted a, a little while ago, um, I've had my PlayStation 5 since Wednesday. Is it bad that I've already platinumed Astro's Playroom? And to that I would say no. It sounds like you're doing that absolutely the right way. <laughs> it's, it's not a super long game either. It, like, yeah. you, can, you can platinum that in probably three, four hours kind of thing. Yeah, it's just fun. Nice. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's what I keep hearing. That's what I keep hearing. So, yeah, so congratulations, uh, and I'll be joining... The uh, the elite uh, uh, at some point soon we hope um, we're, we're pulling the, for it, Bill. Yeah, right. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, the music of Destiny Volume Two, the six uh, LP vinyl set showed up. I've started listening to it. It is gorgeous. We don't need to go too much into it. It's it's Destiny. It's music. It's vinyl. I own it. Um, I ordered the Mass Effect vinyl box set. Um, so yeah. I didn't really realize this was a pre-order. Which is fine, like, you know, but like a lot of times when an order pops up, it's like, okay, you order it and then you'll have it in a month or whatever. 
Um, but yeah, I didn't realize the pre-order. So when I went to order it, it was like, yeah, like expecting to ship in September. And it's like, all right, see you in 2022. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, I ended up ordering two just because, you know, I, I feel like there's always, you know, after the fact, somebody that, you know, is like, oh, like I wish I would have got one. It's like, I got you, buddy. So I have that, uh, that additional one as a backup. And I was kind of just poking around the vinyl world. I had forgotten that I had ordered the Borderlands 2 vinyl. And I just kind of remembered. I was like, oh, yeah, like, what? Uh, like when's that coming out? So I checked the Lace with Wax website, and that's uh, due for around May. Um, so another couple months on that guy. And, uh, yes, yeah, so that's it for pickups. And that just about wraps me up as well. So, uh, Chris, you said you had uh, not a whole lot to talk about, but what do you got going on? Sure, sure. So... <laughs> Yeah, I, when I saw the the mass, maybe things will change. I, you know, hopefully since it's a pre-order, you know, right. funds will open up. But it's like it, you know, a hundred bucks. I know it's not bad because it's like four records. I get it, but it's kind of like a uh, hundred bucks. So yeah. <laughs> right now it's you know things are a little tight. So yeah. you know, I don't know how long the pre-order period is. Do you know? I don't know either, and and I'll tell you, it's exactly the same way with me, and it's like, you know, because I like my records, I like my game music and, and, you know, soundtracks and stuff, and, like, I'll see, you know, because I won't, I won't do a $100 order every, you know, week or every two weeks. It's, like, just kind of, like, it's Mass Effect, you know? Like, yeah, and, and, I get uh, it. Yeah. So, um, and then, uh, but the, what gets me is, like, I played Ori in the Blind Forest, and it was really good, so I just, lo- and the music was Excellent. So I looked it up, and it's like, oh, like I am eight bit is actually doing like a uh, like a second pressing of it because it's been out of print for a while. So oh, that's cool. So then it's like it's a, it's a double LP, which is forty bucks, which really isn't too bad for a double hundred eighty gram LP. But then it's like right next to that is the Will of the Wisps, and it's like, oh, well, there's now it's eighty bucks, and now it's a hundred for Mass <laughs> Effect, and now it's a hundred for Destiny. So it's like I, I understand exactly what you mean. Like a hundred's not bad, but it's like. You know how much how much fun money can you really you know roll into each little thing there? So yeah, well we've had you know paychecks worth of medical bills you know recently, so you know it, it makes it a little tight for a little while. But I mean, Biden bucks sound like they're coming around the corner, so that should hopefully refresh <laughs> some things. So that that'll be yep. fine. I can do that. Yep. Um, and uh, and just real quick, um, the so the the pre-order right now is just through Space Lab Nine. Mm-hmm. Um, so the N7 variant sold out. The red variant still available. Um, I got the black because it was the only one that's 180 gram. The other two were 140 grams. So I'd rather have the quality than the color. Um, they did announce that Bioware is doing their um, like exclusive to Bioware store variants on March 29th, I think it is. And there's no info on those color, quality, whatever. So since Bioware isn't even opening for another month, I I would imagine it's going to be not the hardest thing to pre-order, you know, over the next several months if someone really wanted to. That's good. Yeah, I think I would be right with you. I'd rather have higher quality than a a fancy, and I don't care about colored vinyl or anything. I listen to it. I'm not, it's not something I'm framing. So yeah, I was going to say, yep, not hanging on the wall. It's going on the turntable. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so gaming wise, um, you know, quickly, I won't, I won't spend too much time because I knew it's probably, you know, broken record, but, um, (laughs) as I was waiting for Bravely Default 2, I was, you know, you you burn time. So, um, I, I gave a, a dagger only, um, Dark Souls run a go through because I remember Kelsey played it. That's how he played, and I'm thinking like, oh my god, that sounds really rough. And he's like, no, I'm a thief. I'm going to stick to it. And I'm like, okay, dude, nice and, scoundrel. And so uh, I'm like, okay, hardcore. And so I started a, a, a dagger run, and yeah, it kind of sucks. So uh, 
Anyway. I'm kind of happy to hear that because it makes me more makes another run more appealing. That yeah, I, I mean, make it's it not myself. It's not impossible, but you know, if you can bleed enemies, then that burst damage helps a lot. But some bosses and things you can't really bleed, or some bosses are kind of like DPS battles, <laughs> so it makes mm. it kind of rough. Anyway, I made it through it okay. You know, I did a run, and I was like, oh, okay, so that was a thing. So uh, when I get bored next time, I think I'm going to do a fists-only weapon. <laughs> It'll be even worse. <laughs> but anyway, uh, to get away from that, um, I did get finally get Bravely Default 2. I was kind of not happy with Amazon because I used to pre-order through Amazon because they would always do, like, same day as release. You know what I mean? You would They would ship early, so that way it would show up on same day. And they didn't with this one for some reason. Um, I it, it came out on Friday, and I didn't get it until Monday. Um, which kind of bummed me because I was looking forward, like, okay, I've got this time. Yeah, it's weekend. usually you plan your weekend, right? You a few hours put aside. Yeah, so I'm like, okay, cool. I'm gonna got some time. I'm gonna play the game, and nah. So, um, but it did come on Monday, and I've been burning the candle at both ends. I've been playing it a lot. <laughs> I'll just say that a lot, and I really am very Dude, happy. Like the next day or two days later, you were like, I just maxed out this job. <laughs> It doesn't take that long. I mean, you know, I've already maxed out a lot of jobs, but that's not that bad. I mean, every job has 12 levels, so macking out a job is not an incredibly difficult thing to do. And there's a lot of jobs. But, um, but yeah, I mean, if you've ever played a Bravely Default game, this is more but tweaked, uh, as you can imagine. So probably the biggest changes I would mention is that um, it used to be completely random battles and now it's not. You can see your the enemies on the screen so you can choose whether you want to engage or not and you know you can sneak up behind them and get advantage or that if they get you from behind they'll get advantage and um, they've also added on the overworld this sword swing mechanic so um, you can use it to like cut down grass and things on the overworld, and sometimes you'll find items, which is actually kind of nice. Sometimes you'll find some decent stuff. It's random, but um, you know, if you're tight on cash, you can go, and maybe you'll get a nice weapon that so would be hard. Zelda-ish, go find some rupees in the bushes. Right, sometimes mm-hmm. it's money, sometimes it's some potions or things. So it gives you an outlet if you're strapped for things, or sometimes you'll just find really cool things, you know. But it's optional. If you don't want to do it, you don't have to do it. Um, there, you're not going to find anything that's like, oh my god, I can't find this anywhere. It's just kind of a cool little mechanic. And also, if you slash an enemy before you engage it, or to engage it, um, you get an extra brave point to start off the fight with. So it gives you something to do on the overworld screen. So can you slash them and get like that back advantage yes. to get like two two things going into it in your favor? Yes. Uh huh. The combat is just as you would expect it to be. So it's still turn-based combat. It's that Brave Default system that's been around. So if you've never played Bravely Default, it's pretty standard Final Fantasy kind of turn-based battles. Uh, And the twist to what it would be, something like the Active Time Battle system is that it has that, but you also can store turns or use turns in advance. So just think of it like as a a turn... um, repository (laughs) and instead of normally like you in final fantasy games you'd have defend when you don't want to attack right lower your damage in these games instead of defend it's default and so it still defends so you take less damage but also you store your turn up for later and you can store up to three turns and then you can 
burn them all at once. Or you can borrow against future turns. So you could borrow against turns you don't have yet, but then again, next time your turn comes up, you can't do anything, so you get yourself into a jam, potentially that way. And of course the bosses and everything else can as well, so you have to use that turn order mechanic pretty strategically. Um, so like, for example, I won't give anything away, but there was a boss that I was fighting, and like every time you got him down to a certain amount of health, he would heal a certain amount. And so basically, if you just took one turn at a time for your guys, he's just, you're not going to get him down, right? He's going to keep topping up every time and eventually kill you. But I found a certain point where you get to him a certain point and then you just go all out and just brave everybody so you can overwhelm him and kill him before he gets a chance to top back off again. So, I mean, there's things like that that you have to consider. Of course, all the jobs. It's very Final Fantasy V where there's jobs, sub-jobs, abilities that you can move between jobs. Um... So anyway, it's a lot of fun, and they've there's some good quality of life pieces to it. Um, you know, it's got like an auto equip thing that automatically equips the best stuff on your person if you don't want to try to figure that out. I mean, you know, you can you put your special items on if you want to, but um, you can't save anywhere, but you can save lots of places. I mean, they don't make it if you're in a dungeon. It's the only place you can't save anywhere, and then there's certain places they don't make it that difficult. Trust me. And uh, one of the things, there's always been like these little sub-games which are kind of cool in the series. And the one for this game is this, your, your main guy is a sailor. And um, the mechanic with this one is a sailing mechanic. So what happens is you get a ship at some point. And when you put your switch to sleep, as long as you leave the game running and put your switch to sleep, your ship will go out on adventures and uh, can interact. Either you can either play offline and you'll just, you can... It'll do things, or you can play online and interact with other players. Interactions are not much. It's more like, oh, you met so and so's hero, and and I have no doubt that eventually later on that will play more into things. But it's a way to get items and things while you're not playing. So like, it's doing all this stuff while you're gone and collecting up items randomly, and you'll get drops and things. So it's just something fun to do while you've got the switch setting, you know, overnight or whatever. You can come back in the next day and check your stuff out. It maxed out to like 12 hours, so you can't leave it sit and run for eternity and just come back and, oh, I've got everything I ever needed. But um, a lot of fun. And I don't know. I don't know what it is about these games. They just speak to me. I love that Final Fantasy V kind of game and having a great time with it. So I have no idea how long it is. I've put a lot of hours into it already. So it was worth the wait so far, though. Yeah, I'm really happy. Um, so I'm really very happy with it and I'll be happy to, I'll go do everything there is to do. And in this one too, they added a card game. I know that's like a big thing to do in RPGs, you know, like ever since like, in like Final Fantasy. I love Tetra Master. Yeah. And all that. So this one's, um, a game called Bind and Divide. Um, it's just, they usually abbreviate B and D, but, um. I can't really describe it. You'd have to play it. It's, <laughs> Is it uh, good? Yeah. I mean, it's a space control game. It's not the most complex thing in the world. Uh, but you have to go around and play it against the NPCs and collect their cards so you can build a better deck. And, of course, there's rewards. And there's a gambler character that eventually you have to face off against so you can get their job um, by playing this game. And At first, I was really frustrated because I'm not really good at these some kind of games that are like... You know, you have to think very... You know, it's kind of like chess or something. It's not that complex. But, I mean, you have to think, right? Like, ahead and what this one could do this. and 
So when I first started playing, I'm like, this sucks. I suck. And I can't figure this out. <laughs> but like once I start got rolling with it, I'm like, oh, okay, I, I kind of get it. Now I, I do pretty well with it. Then um, once you start building a deck with cards that don't just suck, um, yeah, it's turned out pretty well. But it's neat. There's a lot of stuff to it. It's a fun game. I'd recommend it if that's your if so that's up your alley. It doesn't sound like I'm hearing any disappointment so far. No, the big thing I thought I would be disappointed about was the not random battles. That sounds weird. Like most people hate random battles. But the thing I liked about the other games was you controlled a slider. So mm. you could turn them all the way off and have no battles at all except for bosses. Or you could ramp it sky high and just grind mm. like crazy really fast if you wanted to. And they got rid of that. But what they've done mm. in its place is they've kind of got the same thing. So they've given you items this time that you can use. So if you just want to walk around without boss encounters they're consumables so you can't just spam them constantly but you'd be too weak to kill the bosses anyway so you wouldn't and then they, what they've done they give you item drops that you can use in battles that will force more battles and the more you win in a row you know your higher rewards are so if you want to grind you can just kind of keep using these items just to just keep racking up battles and doing it that way so you know they just gone about it a different way, which is fine. Uh, once I got into it, you know, at first I was kind of like, eh, but once I got into <laughs> it, I'm like, okay, cool, I get this. Good, glad you're enjoying it. Yeah. So if you're not a turn-based RPG, JRPG from the '90s kind of person, I was probably not your game. But uh, if that sounds up your alley, then yeah, have fun with it. Um, outside of that, um, I mean, I've, I think I mentioned before, but I got the old COVID vaccine a couple months ago and I've been trying to keep it really very careful, probably way more careful than I probably need to be. But anyway, we've been cautious and, uh, my wife hasn't got it yet, but, um, one of my friends, uh, did have his 40th birthday party. And so he did some out stuff and then some in stuff. Um, so I went. These guys were nice enough to reschedule our normal recording night with me, so I hung out with those and met a lot of friends I have not seen in a year. Uh, and that was awesome and really good mentally <laughs> to yep. not be in my house and to be talking to some friends again. So um, that was really nice. And then last but not least, I watched, um, again, I think we've talked about it. It's like HBO Max, like every month, has a new movie that's yep. coming out. And then I watched Judas and the Black Messiah. And this movie is awesome um really the scary part is it's a true story so um it's kind of soul crushing at times um uh, but i mean <clears throat> there's no way i would not recommend somebody to watch this movie i really don't want to give anything away it's the real story of a black panther leader and um somebody that turns on them. I don't want to give away anything more than that because you can get that from the title. So I'm not going to give away more than that. But I can't recommend it enough. I would say put it at the top of your watch list. Uh, I learned a lot of history that I had no clue about whatsoever. I knew, honestly, I knew nothing about the Black Panthers. I should have. I'm like, how could I have not known anything about it? But you know what? My school system sucked for teaching stuff like that. They just didn't bother. And so I've been looking and reading a lot more since then. So um, amazing movie. Highly recommend it. Yeah, um, I'll be honest. I, I kind of knew about the Black Panthers just like as like 
I don't want to say a footnote, that's not the right word, but I, I knew they were a thing and had zero context or, like, anything behind that. So I remember, like, seeing them in Forrest Gump and just, like, knowing they were a thing but, like, not having any idea what the cultural or, like, historical significance was or what their position was. And they just kind of painted them in there as just, like, oh, just very aggressive and very anti-everything. But, yeah, this is something that's been on our radar for a little while. I told my wife... Uh, because usually the 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 flow is like hey do you care about this and she'll say yes or no and then i can either watch it by myself or we have to schedule an evening so she's like no i want to watch that so it is uh it is on our list awesome we'll probably resubscribe to crave uh when the schneider cut of justice league comes out so i'll try and remember to put that on my playlist during that month as well Nice. And, and just going back to something you said in a previous episode, Chris, um, I had also never seen Malcolm X. And so when you mentioned that you had watched it, you know, uh, maybe two, three episodes ago when you were talking about that, uh, we ended up throwing it on our watch list and I watched it as well. And what I was surprised at is something you kind of alluded to a little bit is like the entire first, maybe like third of the film or like up to first half of the film is nothing that i had any idea about at all which was so great to go into you know that long ago and that kind of far back so it was uh, very very eye-opening compared to kind of the uh, the perception or you know like uh, the the preconceived notion of uh, of you know what that uh, story is all about so that was a great watch i appreciate that yeah that was a fantastic movie cool cool you still got that one on the watch list kelsey yeah, still want to get to it. Just like like you said about being kind of overly cautious with lockdown. It's not yeah. streaming on anything in Canada. I haven't yeah. left the house other than work or groceries. So once we get our vaccines rolling out, I'll, I'll just go hit some pawn shops, and, and I'm sure I can find one within a week or two. Cool. And then I guess you know, like you talk about Schneider. So what day? I don't remember what day does that drop. Uh, I want. Is it late March? Is it twentieth like or something like it's that? It's this month. I don't know when, but yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for ungodly, <laughs> ungodly amounts of DC. It's so funny every time they put something out about it. Like I'm like, oh, that sounds really interesting. And then the next thing they put out, I'm like, oh, it's gonna be so awful. And the next <laughs> thing I'm like, oh, okay, I'm back in. And the next thing I'm like, ugh, it's gonna so, be such a weird yeah. movie. So just FYI, um, it is uh, uh, March 18th. Okay. So it is next Thursday. I think that's the same day Falcon and Winter Soldier launches, too. Two big mm. superhero things, same day. So the next show, we can talk about it then, huh? Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. We'll see. Maybe we can well, squeeze it in. I'm, I'm just assuming it's all coming out up here the same day, and, and I can subscribe to it and everything. I haven't looked too far into it. All, right. Most, all so, the news is all U.S.-related, so I don't know how yeah. it's actually going to launch up here in canada yeah and, and i'll tell you i have not seen uh aquaman or justice league so i'm considering watching the snyder cut as my first experience with uh justice league aquaman is good yeah aquaman is good i mean i wouldn't say it's like epic but it's a fun movie sure yeah it's colorful yeah i think it's for, i black, mean that's black that, manta is really cool in it. it's a cool that's movie. that's what i'm i mean I, i've been i've been longing for color in a dc uh film. right that's the one for you to... is it okay yeah i'm gonna do it it's like yeah. incredibly better than the superman and batman versus superman i mean i love superman but so, i don't like saw that bar though saw, saw that in the theater and i, I had no Me intention too. of seeing i have no intention of seeing it 
uh, I, I remember like just knowing, I don't know if I knew or if I heard just how bad and I was like, I'm not going to go see that. And then like Chris and Lance from retro, they called me up. They were like, Hey, we're going tonight. You want to go? And I'm like, sure. I'll go with a couple of friends to a movie theater. And we went and I just remember just like halfway through, just like looking over at them, like, bruh, like, what? <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> I went with my parents and it's the first time I've gone to a movie with them in like a decade. And when we got out, they're all like, I think they really liked it. And, they, and they're like, it's Batman. So you liked it, right? And I'm like, no, I don't oh. know how I feel about this movie. And they're like, what? No. So I have to ask, I mean, obviously we don't have to spoil anything because I haven't watched anything, but <clears throat> WandaVision is over. Yeah. Have you guys watched all? All I want to know is, should I binge it or not? That's all I want to know. Do you like the other Marvel stuff? I mean, I like. I've seen the movies. Do you, yeah. do you like them? Though? Like, do you do you kind of yeah, feel the movies like you were fun. grasp on the lore and stuff? It's um, it's really good. Like, it starts off yeah. really silly and fun, and just like having fun with like um, old sitcom like stereotypes through the first few episodes, and then as it progresses, you get to see kind of it gets a little deeper and a little deeper, and the characters get more interesting, and the story gets more interesting, and it starts touching on things that affect other movies and future movies and stuff. And they, a couple episodes before the end, I think it was the third last one. They, they take these events that happen in previous Marvel movies that relate to Wanda and like totally recontextualize them and, and make them a lot more interesting. Not that they weren't interesting the first time, but it just adds a whole another layer to them that, that I found fantastic. And it sets up some of the future uh, stuff that's coming out. Uh, next year and beyond as well which is always exciting so it's Scarlet Witch and Vision is that's what the show's yes. about right okay yes it's yeah. it's Wanda Maximoff and Vision <laughs> Scarlet Witch and Vision this is an important distinction and we won't say anything else <laughs> it is Wanda Maximoff and Vision and and leave it at that uh, don't ask okay. any more questions all right, all right, all right. so it but and what I'll Jimmy say Wu. I'll, he's important yes too. I will I will echo what Krabby has said and I will add that it is the Ghosts and Goblins resurrection <laughs> of Marvel spin-off TV shows he asked the perfect question do you like Marvel stuff. Yes, you do. You should watch these. It's not like it's 40 episodes to watch. It's relatively short. It's very fun. It's very interesting. Knowing nothing going in and not know, like, I thought it was just going to stay whatever the first episode is forever. And it doesn't. It progresses fairly quickly, but it stays on each theme long enough to give you some, some detail and kind of expand on that. Um, and then it, it, I want to say very quickly, in the appropriate amount of time, it turns into a very Marvel thing. And, um, I and, think Chris is a Kat Dennings fan, too, so yeah. more of her, so you'll enjoy it. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you, no complaints on any front uh, over here. Uh, so, uh, But, yeah, I, it's funny. I, I forget who it was on Twitter, but someone said, like, I strongly dislike Marvel. Should I watch this? And I'm thinking, like, why, yeah. why would you even ask that question? Yeah. Like, how mar- like I I don't like Marvel. Is this really Marvel-y? Yeah, it's really Marvel-y. Like, it starts off in a very different way than previous stuff has, but it becomes exactly what you would imagine a Marvel, like, Avengers-style spinoff TV show becoming. Um, but yeah, uh, I highly, highly recommend giving it a, a, a run through. Okay. Well, that's what I was waiting for. I'm not, I, you know, those sort of things, especially when I know it's not going to be 
a series that's just a one shot deal. I'm much, mm-hmm. I'll just wait until they're out and I can just binge yep. it if it's good. Sure. So yeah, and and the and the only reason we didn't is uh, once we decided we were going to watch, I watched the first episode and then I went to my wife and I was like, no, we're watching this. And then I rewatched the first episode with her and then we went through. Um, I'm I'm not like terribly afraid of things being spoiled, but you know it's a concern and it's happened before, so it's like whatever. Like let's just do it. So we watched it live just to avoid any of that stuff, and I'm I'm glad we did it. Okay. Cool. All right. Well, um, if that's all the updates, then I guess we'll get into the main topic. So um, this show, you know, uh, as everybody probably knows, we rotate topics a little bit. So when we came up to this one, this is one that's kind of been floating around in the back of my brain for a little while. But I thought, like, ah, this will be a really good topic to talk about. And that is light gun games. Well, gun games, I guess, in general, but probably more specifically light gun games. Mm-hmm. And um, I kind of want to set a few things up with that and then kind of get a little further into it. So um, I want to talk kind of briefly about some of the introduction or the lifespan of gun games. And then in that, so I talk about some of our experiences, if we have any, with some of these. I mean, some of these are really old, so we may not. But um, I, probably everybody understands, I mean... The idea of gun games is is not new, right? This is pretty ancient stuff. I mean, even back before there were games, people did trick shooting. I mean, you'd see like Wild Bill Hickok and and Annie Oakley. That's what they would make their not livings off of to it. But I mean, to a degree, they were trick shooters. So uh, that was a very popular thing for a time. And early arcades in the early 20th century came up with a lot of these shooting gallery type games and early on they were very mechanical so you might be shooting a projectile like a bb or something of that nature and knocking down a physical target uh that would knock over or something to give you some points but not surprising right that that would become a thing or even like a lot of them that we run into now like at uh, at the fair right they have like the ones that shoot streams of water and you're trying mm. to knock things down or, or fill the clown or, or the balloon. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Right. Um, so obviously these things have been around for quite some time. I mean, obviously even I'm not that old. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> I've not dealt with any of the physical. You haven't met Annie Oakley? <laughs> I have not. And I've not been to a physical shooting gallery. Right. I, I know these were things and, uh, the interesting thing to me is kind of talk about the next week is um, how Nintendo came into the picture with some of these pieces. So um, obviously beyond that, then a little bit later on, you started getting into um, electromechanical shooting ranges became more of a thing with light or other things. They would use some very rudimentary sensors to do scoring. Um, still using rifles and still very big rooms where you would, you know, shoot targets or, or things mm-hmm. the idea hadn't changed they just um implemented some electromechanical gadgets and sensors and things to do the scoring so you know scoring reels and things of that nature and that was the part that was interesting i read like the nintendo history and talking about how they had like you know they had a lot of different businesses back in the day is that where they were like converting the bowling alleys yeah. into like shooting ranges okay mm-hmm. yeah yeah so they had that too. they owned like a bunch of bowling alleys and bowling alleys were on the decline <laughs> and they're like what are we going to do we have all these properties they're big open properties what are we going to do with them and they yeah they decided to turn these into these electromechanical shooting galleries, which was really big for a while, I guess, there in Japan. They did very well. 
on that. And so much so that they started a toy line based around a lot of these. So very simple target light games, uh, you know, shoot something, you know, make a noise or do whatever. You know, it's very simple uh, toys for kids. Um, so that far along, have you guys ever dealt with, I mean, I haven't, but have you guys ever played with any electric, electromechanical, like shooting toys or anything? Did you ever encounter those? I feel like my neighbor had something like that when I was really young, but it's, it's really vague. I couldn't, uh, couldn't point out which one it actually was, but I, I have, yeah, faintest memories of playing with something like that when I was around like five or six years old. Okay. So, so not electromechanical toys that I can think of, but when you know when I when I was looking over the the topic and I was looking at electromechanical electromechanical stuff, um, I think immediately of uh, uh, Disney World, the uh, uh, Magic Kingdom. When you go back to like the area where Splash Mountain is, it's kind of like the western area, and there's like the Pecos Bills, you know, like the western, you know, kind of eatery. And before you get there, kind of back where like I forget what the bears are called. Um, there's like the there's like the sing along jamboree with like these bears or whatever. <laughs> oh, yeah. And there's like this there's like this little like kind of just like opening in the walls there, and it's an electromechanical shooting range. And it doesn't cost anything. You just walk up to it and like pick up a rifle that has like you know like the security cable on it. And it's funny. I was talking to the guy there about it and just you know just chatting a little bit. And um, so I was like, so uh, so can, like tell me about this. Is it original? And he's like, yeah, like uh, like they like it's an original like shooting range they like acquired and repurposed. And he said the cool thing is all of the the rifles are original like. They're real rifles. They were just like decommissioned. Wow. So it's like an original barrel, like this like antique like barrel, original stock, like all the pieces. I'm not a gun guy, so I don't know what that means and if it's cool or valuable or whatever. But I just thought it was cool that I'm holding something that someone like back in the West, you know, like uh, could have used as a as a like a real like uh, like rifle. And it's cool because it's a uh, they've kind of been like retrofitted with a uh, um uh, like a light mechanism. But what happens is it's they still keep the electromechanical aspect on the range side. So, you know, you get these little red dots everywhere that are kind of lit up so you know what you're aiming at. And then if you hit one of them, you kind of hear like a bell, like, ding, and then like something will move, like the rabbit will like fall <laughs> over and then like come back. That's cool. Or like, or there'll be like a sign up there where like you'll hit it and then like it's like the chain, like the, like a sign that's like being held up by two chains or wires. So you'll hit one side and like the whole sign will be like, bang, and then like for like three or four seconds later it comes up. So it's cool seeing something physically change because in the gaming world, obviously, you're looking at something on a screen and you're hitting a button and making a thing change change there but there is something really cool about you know uh getting up there and you know uh, uh hitting something you know even though it's just a beam of light going out there and then seeing that physical change happen down on the range so that's always a, a spot that we kind of uh, stop by whenever we're walking through disney there see that's cool i would love to play through one of those because yeah i think i would just get a big kick out of seeing you know that's i want to see like you shoot yeah. the bear and it <laughs> right, right, or, or, or like the tombstone go, and it, and it's a big. It's not just like three or four things. It's like you know, like ten, twelve people wide. So like, you can shoot with what's right in front of you. You can kind of you know go to the left, go over there. Like, oh, let's try that one. And it's again, there's no like cost, so you can just kind of like go up and down the 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 lane as like as long as it's open. But it was it's just a cool like old timey, and it's like I can't think of any other place where you'd find something like that because. Who's going to pay to go do it, you know? So, like, you, it would have to be someplace like Disney that's just like, eh, throw it back in the Wild West and people will get a kick out of it. Cool. 
Awesome. Well, I'm glad one of us have played something like this. That's what I was kind of thinking. I'm like, yeah. man, have I ever encountered... I mean, I had toys that used similar ideas when I was a kid, but nothing that was completely like mechanical or reacted mm-hmm. You know, when you did anything to them. So mm-hmm. that's really cool. So obviously getting closer to the, you know, our childhood and growing up, then of course you had video games with light. And those started off, again, really pretty simple. I mean, like the original... Um, like Magnavox had some of these. I mean, like Ralph Bear when he was building yeah. his original stuff had a a gun to it. Um, and you know, like Coleco had like the Coleco Telstar, which like had a rifle that you would use to shoot the TV. And they were really very simple back in the day, where they just kind of detected if there was light. So those were the ones you could kind of cheat, point at a light bulb, and shoot or whatever. But yeah. um, those were kind of interesting. I never even had one of those that were that old i've never mm. i mean, i've read plenty about them but i've never played on one of them that far back so have you guys ever played on like one of the old magnavox odyssey setups not that far back no i haven't played i've held the like the hardware um uh, a, a guy like i think this happened to you, to you before chris where like people just know you collect games yeah. and every once in a while a co-worker is like hey we found this stuff in the closet or whatever so one time a guy who like sits in the office across from me he came and said, oh you like games don't you like, what do you think of this and it was like coleco and magnavox stuff and it was like the like the rifle uh, for Coleco, um, his stuff didn't all work, and he didn't have all the games there. But like, I was able to like hold that uh, uh, that uh, you know that rifle, and it felt really cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, wasn't wasn't able to actually uh, uh, get it to fire up. So yeah, and that was the thing that was kind of struck me as odd is with how big the Atari Twenty Six Hundred was. Why was there not a light gun? Or yeah, so many other weird controllers on that system. Yeah, yeah, yeah tennis paddles, and you know. Yeah, that's what I got. I was like, that seems perfect. And other people were doing it, so it wasn't an unknown thing. I wonder if there was some patent reason. I can't imagine it was. but Maybe. Ralph Bear liked to patent everything after a while. That's true. And maybe they were afraid of getting sued, or they didn't want to license it, or whatever. And he liked to sue people, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, maybe that was the case. But oh, later on, I mean, we'll talk about that. A lot of the other systems did, but um, for whatever reason, yeah. And maybe it's just the method they used, right? Because that's what patents are yeah, about. Yeah, probably. So maybe there wasn't a different method at that time. Uh, then later mm-hmm. on, they could patent different things. Well, Atari 2 was all about, like, uh, the arcade ports, too. Like, unless there was something huge in the arcade, why would you bring it home and develop something new? That's a good point. Like, yeah, I can't think of yeah. any Atari light gun arcade yeah, games. Me, or me neither. Like, nothing comes to mind there. Yeah, I guess it just wasn't kind of their thing to do. But um, just, just as a brief introduction, because we were talking about Atari, did you see today um, Gary Kitchen posted that he's started a new company with uh, David Crane and a couple other guys to make physical Atari 2600 games again. Wow. <laughs> and, and he's like, we're going to do other retro systems too, but we're starting with 2600. We're going to develop brand new games and we're going to put them out on the original hardware. Well, good for them. Yeah. Um, Very cool. Yeah. You, you know, I'd play a Pitfall 3, wouldn't you? I'd try it for sure. Yeah. yeah. So why not? So, I mean, I imagine those guys are... Uh, retired or what? You know, they still know how to do it. Why not make a few bucks, have some fun? Probably gives them something to do <laughs> in their retirement. So cool. No, I'm sure uh, Rich will be really excited to hear that. 
I tagged him. I haven't. I don't know if he's seen it yet, but uh, yeah, I'm pretty curious what his thoughts are on that. I love the old systems are always new. I mean, like I, you know, it used to be weird when you would see like NES homebrews, and now like all the time I'm seeing new games coming, like all yeah, the time, every couple of days. Yeah, yeah, like holy crap. Um, anyway. So, uh, moving on from that, I think probably the f- next major system that all of us would have dealt with would have been the NES then, with the for, light First guns. one for me, yeah, for sure. Um, because I can't think of, you know, in between Coleco didn't have a light gun, and 7800, even though it was planned for earlier, didn't come out until later. So, yeah, I mean, obviously the NES, and that was a big selling point, and... Which struck me as strange, because when you go and you look at the Japanese release, the Famicom, I mean, they had, uh, you know, the gun. It looked like a gun. Like, literally like mm-hmm. a gun. Um, but it wasn't like a pack-in kind of thing, and it didn't really seem to catch on a whole lot. But for whatever reason, they thought, like, no, America, kids like to shoot stuff. So we <laughs> we have to have the gun. I don't know if it was that or if it was just like, they had Duck Hunt ready, and they're like, look, people love Duck Hunt, let's just do this. Right, it's it's so so Duck Hunt is the, it's funny because like I I think of Duck Hunt as such a you know like iconic like classic piece of like our like growing up with Nintendo history, and then you know I can't imagine playing that game for longer than like you know like fifteen twenty minutes you know like it just like because like you would sit down and you would you know like show your friends or like sit there with your brother or sister and like. You know, it's it's cool, it's charming, the sound of the gun, like the sound of the dog, the sound of the ducks, you know, like all those different things. And then like, you know, like you just kind of get used to like all those little like cool quirks. And then there comes a time like, you know, like 10, 15 minutes in, it's like, all right, like how how much more can I really do this? And as a kid, like you said, like we were just, I'm telling you, like faces plastered on the screen, like dragging the, the gun like against it. Like, OK, there, 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 there. You know, it never occurred to us, okay, we could make this more difficult by backing up and actually, you know, like playing it like the real way. But uh, it's it's crazy because I think of how much that game means to me. And you just think of, you know, like how iconic the box art is and just like, like I said before, the characters, just the way the ducks look, the, the, the sprites and everything. And, you know, we, I can't imagine playing that game for longer than like five or ten minutes and even like now going back to it we at the expo we always had a couple of crts there for like on games because people you know like always really like them and it's one of those things where you just kind of have to have a copy of duck hunt there because anybody walking by is like oh duck hunt but there's never a long line no. to play it. You shoot a few <laughs> ducks, and you're like, okay, yeah, that was exactly duck hunt. like, oh, I remember that. And you put it on a t-shirt, and you go, you know. So it's, uh, it's yeah, it's and the other thing too is, I had knew about Hogan's Alley. We never owned Hogan's Alley, and I remember like going to a friend's house, and he had it, and it's like, oh, I finally get to try Hogan's Alley. And same thing, like it was cool for a few minutes, and it's like, all right, like you want to play Ninja Turtles, you know, like <laughs> let's, let's play something else. So I don't know what your guys' experience was with the NES, but ours was pretty much like Duck Hunt, and then we tried a couple here and there, but like that was really it. I think it was part of the reason my dad was okay with us getting an NES because he couldn't care less about Mario. He didn't understand Mario, but he knows how to shoot a gun at a tv so when we got it i remember not playing mario that first weekend it was just family time to play duck hunt nice. and it was like dad would go we'd make it to level three or four or whatever my turn you know i'd make it to level two then mom's turn then grandpa's turn and like everybody yeah. would just take a turn <laughs> and we'd all watch and laugh at the other person while they're playing 
I think we did that for like two weekends and then probably never touched Duck Hunt again the whole rest of the time we owned the system. And we never had another light gun game the rest of the time we owned the system. I didn't play anything else light gun until I was like an adult, like well into my Mm twenties. Um, but yeah, we, we spent a ton of time playing Duck Hunt just for like two weekends and then it was all Mm -hmm. Mario all the time for me and my parents lost interest and, and, uh, yeah, it was great. (laughs) but like like you you said it's like very fun in that short burst and then uh with me playing through all the nes games i played through like duck hunt like there's no ending to it so it's just like like max out the score or something i think i did get to like level 20 on each uh mode to like get the score maxed out and yeah it's just the same thing but slightly faster and then slightly faster and slightly faster there's really no depth to that game at all once you figured it out you figured it out and then i think like the next time like we went back to play it was like when word came out that like oh like did you know what happens when you use the player two controller i was like no like what do you mean it's like oh you can it's a two-player game like you can control and i was like no so then like we fired it back (laughs) up and i was like oh look what you can do here so that was that was another fun weekend uh, when conventions were still allowed and I had my store and we were helping out with the gaming area at our local convention, uh, we always did like a big gaming gauntlet and we'd have different uh, genres of games and we'd, we'd test people on them and then we'd invite the high scorers back. And one year we had Duck Hunt as part of it and we had one guy who I knew really well from the store. He's, he's awesome. Uh, but he came in and he laid down a perfect score in Duck Hunt. He was the only one to get that. Everyone oh. else is like, I haven't played Duck Hunt in 20 years. Like, I really can't do this anymore. And they'd be lucky to get a couple ducks. But uh, yeah, he like just mopped the floor with everybody. It was great. Yeah. And it's not like it was like a huge secret. Like it was in the manual. It's just like we didn't look at it. You were a so. kid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I didn't read the didn't manual. Know. Yep. Um, yeah, I mean. But, but it was but, but it, like it was a lot along the same lines of like. There was a lot of uh, uh, malarkey going back and forth between, uh, you know, young people, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. like there always is. So, like, I remember I was I, like, it makes me sad to, th- to think back on it. But like a kid in school told me in Legend of Zelda, if you press A and B at the same time, you can jump. And I was like, no. And I went home and I tried to jump in Legend of Zelda for so long. And then I, I was, I'm just throwing the boomerang and stabbing the sword at the same time. Nothing's happening. And I tried so long, and then, like, when I realized, like, it wasn't a thing, it was, like, finding out that, like, Santa wasn't real. <laughs> it was, like, I was so sad because I was so excited to go home and see this, so it still hurts. Yeah, um, I, and, and now that you mention it that way, Kelsey, I think maybe that's probably the idea. Maybe they were like, look, this will sell it to adults, right? They'll see this, they'll think it's cool, they understand how to shoot a gun and pull a trigger, right? right? Te- it, yeah, it's a, it's a tech demo. They were like, we have this tech demo. It will. It is marketable. Like, let's do it. It'll, it'll get a foot in the door type deal. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Because most of the original systems came with both of those games, so it was yeah appealing to two different audiences. I think in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. And I mean, even though we won't spend much time on it, I mean, obviously they used the same technology for Rob um, yeah. as well. So obviously they thought a lot about that and thought it was good stuff to put together. But. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously after that, uh, you had the Sega Master System had the light phaser. Um, phaser, yeah. That was a great choice of name. <laughs> yeah, right? I was so, a big, big fan. And I love the trigger on that guy. It felt like more like, like a toggle 
Because like the the if I remember, remembering correctly, like the light gun on the Nintendo w- just like went straight back, yeah. and it yeah. had this great sound. Ding. Like you, like you, you kind of bring it, you, you, you like you you would yeah. bring it back, and it's like you you pass this like this point where the resistance wasn't there anymore, and like kachung, and like you it's almost like you felt this spring release, yep. and you felt this like little like reverb like in the gun, but it just like I don't know, and also just the whatever you call the hand grip, the whatever you know, I think it might just be called the hand grip. The shape of it, like, because there are things that you'll you'll grasp for a little while, and it's like your hand doesn't feel good. Like the shape of that was was shaped so perfectly, but that phaser, I remember just that that toggle trigger was also had a real good feel to it. <laughs> and uh, you know, I don't know about you guys. I, we we've talked about this before. I had the one friend that had the master system, and he had, of course, the the because he had the phaser and he had the 3D glass because he had that the master set right that had all the stuff with it. So. Um, I would go over and kind of similar thing. Like, I think it was Safari Hunt was the game it came with or something. And it was okay. And we played it a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, you're kind of, yeah, it's like that same sort of thing. Now I'll talk about some other stuff a little bit later, but for that one, yeah, it was kind of like, uh, okay. I mean, it's, it's another shooting game. You kind of got the idea. It wasn't that exciting, but some other stuff I'll, I'll talk right. about later a little different. We, I also had that exact same situation. I had that one friend with yeah. the Sega Master System. She lived in the house like behind me, and once I found out she had the Sega Master System and like all this stuff, she became my girlfriend. <laughs> and I was over there like every day because we didn't have any Sega stuff. Um, so uh, uh, same thing. The one that we played that I'll, I'll mention a little bit later in the honorable mentions, but she had um, shooting gallery. Uh-huh. Um, and she had the um, uh, the the marksman trap shooting yeah. um, like uh, combo game, and same thing. Like we played it a little bit, um, but it really was like more a case of like kind of like opened up a cabinet and I was like, what is this? Because like everyone I know has Nintendo. Like what is this? And it was the Model One that had almost like had that like you know play symbol on it, like that weird uh, yeah. you know like the art on the side. So yeah. it was a it was a whole new thing. But yeah, that was a very exciting time. Kelsey, you playing Master System back in the day? Not back in the day, no. Same thing, not until I was uh, well into my adulthood before I ever came across a Master System. Um, I, yeah, I didn't know anybody up here that had a Master System. I knew one kid with a Game Gear, and then Genesis, you know, there were a few of us, but uh, yeah, nothing pre-Genesis up here for Sega. Well, speaking of Genesis, I mean, obviously that's the next system up, and the thing that stuck out for me is that didn't get a light gun for a really long time in that system's life. And then you got different ones because there wasn't a standard like with the NES, right? You got the Menacer and you got the Justifier, <laughs> right? Yeah. And that kind of started a trend. Like before the NES had the gun, it came with the gun or it was easy to get. And so everything used that gun. I mean, they made some other, but you know, that's what you used. But starting after that, you know, for most systems, not all, but they had their own, like, and sometimes varying guns. And so, yeah, like, you had the Minister, and then you had the Justifier, and then you had the weird pink Justifier that you'll never see that somebody had to send away for if your buddy actually wanted to play. (laughs) Um, So, I mean, yeah, I've, I've only really spent any time on the Genesis with Lethal Enforcers. Um, I mean, it's funny. I've got the six cartridge game thing for the minister. I still don't have a, I don't have a minister. I still don't have a minister. 
But so it doesn't work with the uh, uh, with any other gun besides the Menacer? I don't know. I, I've, uh, I always thought they were different, but maybe they're not. Um, yeah, I've, I've, of course, aware of the Menacer, never physically touched one in my life. Uh-huh. And I'll see that, you know, like six in one cart, like, you know, at flea markets and stuff like that. But, like, it was always one of those things where I've mentioned before uh, in the past that we were, like, big in the NES. And then when the Super came out, my mom was like, oh, it doesn't play the Nintendo games. We're not getting that anymore. So we switched to Sega. And we were kind of into Sega and the Sega CD. Uh, we wanted the Sega CD when it came out. But, yeah, like, something about, like, the light gun games, like, same thing in the 16-bit area, sorry, era with the Super Scope 6. It was on my radar knew it was a thing, knew there was, like, a six, you know, game pack with it, and this is a different kid, like, the... So I had one friend who had the Sega, but then there was, like, the one kid whose, like, parents had a ton of money who had, like, everything. So he's, like, the guy who had the Jaguar the day it came out, <laughs> the 3DO, and the Turbo Graphics. Like, he's this Holy kid. 3DO. So he, so, so, he, so he had the Super Scope, and it was similar like we went over there and like eight kids just kind of passed it around and it was like oh this is the button right here like that's how you show okay like right there and like that was kind of it so i think like our our kind of like fleeting thoughts about the super scope it might have affected my thoughts on the menacer where i'm like uh it's just like another you know kind of fatty you know six in one combo cart you know like on like that we don't need to get for however much it costs back in like the early 90s but yeah never touched a menacer but similar to you the justifier because we had the for a while i was into the big box sega cd stuff so we had the uh the the lethal enforcers uh, sega cd justifier package but no pink gun not for us yeah um i've never even seen a pink gun. i'm sure exposed there for sale somewhere maybe i've seen one and not paid any attention to it but i mean mm. like out and about i've never in my life seen a pink justifier so mm. plenty of blue ones um, so, you know, that was the thing though, since it didn't come with a gun, there just weren't very many gun mm. games, um, which was strange because it was such an integral part of the NES of strange and the master system. So, um, mm. I guess, you know, talk, since you mentioned it, you know, the other of the super scope, I think he was even worse because, well, I wouldn't say worse. I mean, the minister had like <laughs> one, that one game. And Super Scope had what two games? So I guess oh, maybe it's not it had worse. a bunch. It had a bunch. I think you'd be surprised. Okay. All right. Well, like, it had the six in one pack. Uh, Battle Clash was another one that was pretty yeah, early. Uh, that Yoshi Safari game. Was okay. There. Yeah, you're right. There's three. Um, okay. There's three. Yeah. So are you surprised already? Because I'm running out of things I can remember off the top of my head. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> but but I know there's a few more I'm forgetting. Same thing with like the mouse and stuff. Like there's yeah. like 25 mouse games, and I'm like, what? Like I don't know about any of these. Yeah, I mean, I, I get it, but it's like not. I mean, I guess when you talk about the NES, even though it came with the light gun, there were tons of light gun games. But there's like a good twenty, twenty five right. NES light gun games. Yeah. Right, but I mean, those yeah, ones I can name. <laughs> that's right. And obviously more because it came with a gun. Most people had the gun. Yeah, I, mean, I would yeah. say everybody did. But you know, um, so so re- so, re- so real quick, just before we get too far off the justifier, I just popped yeah, it up yeah. real quick. Um, there's two available on eBay. The pink one is one hundred and nineteen dollars. Uh, there's a pink and blue combo for 200, uh, and I didn't realize that 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 second player gun just has like an RJ45. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like a phone cable. And, and, and both of the and both of the uh, listings are like, oh, like the on the pink gun, the tab is broken off because yeah. like, of course, because <laughs> of course it has because yeah. you know, but yeah, so it's it's out there, but it's uh that's a that's a pricey collector item. Yeah, and it's weird, and I mean, yeah, I would imagine it'd be broken, but thank goodness if you know what you're doing, it's really easy to put another <laughs> plug on the end of it. But Sure, yep. Uh, yeah, we're, not that I think I would, I'm not 
that big into wanting to play lethal enforcers yeah. <laughs> but, but so 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 you guys think i mean there's got to be something to like the fact that the gun was a pack-in with so many you know versions of the nes that was sold at retail that that's gotta you know push uh, uh you know people who are putting games out there to say okay there's a lot of guns and a lot of houses and no one's playing duck hunt so let's get in on that so like crabby mm-hmm. said you know like 20 something uh, uh games for the nes yeah and like i think at least a fifth of those were all published by Nintendo too. Like they pushed it yeah. hard, especially early. So, so you know what? I'm surprised you wouldn't see more of. Well, not really surprised, but just you know, just in like thinking out loud is uh is more games where you know you would have the controller plugged in on the first player controller and then the gun plugged in on the second. So you know it, whether it's like a mini game like in between levels or like okay controllers level one and then okay we're switching the gun now and then like you know like to pop the gun out so it just seems like a a missed opportunity that there's not more For games sure. that take advantage of both of those. Um, uh, there's Bayou like, Billy, yeah. right? You <laughs> yeah, can... the, yeah. There's games like that that have it as an option. Yeah, yeah. That's the one. That's the most prominent one I can think of that used mm. you know the controller and the gun together. I'm sure mm-hmm. they're I'm more they're not jumping to the right, forefront like, right this minute. But. Like 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 a, like especially ones that like you know like have like uh uh you know like like a like a theme like if you have something like RoboCop where like RoboCop has you know like a, a handgun. I, you I know? was going to mention like if you've ever played Street Cop for the power pad, that would have been amazing with the light gun because you you can literally walk while yeah. using the controller to like punch the guys yeah. and stuff. It'd be way cooler to walk around and like shoot at things. Yeah. Yeah, missed opportunity. Yeah, that's where, where's the Kickstarter? Someone, <laughs> someone out there wants to get something going. You got my money. Well, Street Cop too. Yeah, it's funny. It's uh, speaking of which, though, I you know we mentioned uh, homebrews earlier, but I've got that Russian roulette NES homebrew game. You know <laughs> that you use with the zapper. So um, that one's that one's really cool. If you get a chance to check that, it's got a lot of speech in it. Um, but um, yeah, so 16-bit, it's like it kind of died out a little bit. Like, okay, maybe shooting games are not as much a thing. And they tried a lot of different weird stuff in the 16-bit era. And then 32-bit, um, again... Revolution X. There's another Super Nintendo one that you could use a Super Scope on. Oh, okay. All right. What's that? Mm-hmm. That's the Aerosmith. Uh, the oh, Aerosmith yeah, one. you're talking about Area yeah. 51. Yes. I thought you said yeah. another one. Okay. No, no, no. no. Re- Revolution yeah. X. Re- Revolution, Revolution X, the one, X, the one right. with Aerosmith, yeah. But that's on the next series yeah. of the system, so yeah. Um, so 32-bit, Yeah, you ha- that's when you started getting into more of like um, companies doing their own light guns, a lot like the Justifier idea, right? So mm-hmm. probably, you know, the biggest being Namco, with the Absolutely. Yeah, gun con yep and they really put out a lot of great gun con games yeah and and i i, I love the gun con um well i'm we're definitely going to talk about time crisis uh for you know more than a couple minutes i'm sure but what i loved about the the gun con um I mean, so as far as i know every other controller before this you just plugged it in and that was the end of it so i remember like opening up uh you know time crisis because we had played it in the you know the arcade and you had like the physical pedal you had to step on for the cover and everything so i was curious how they were going to do that if, you know like how that was going to work out and you took the gun out of the package 
and there's the controller the sorry there's the the cable like the port that goes in the controller port and then there's like this like much much finer wire like coming off that that had like the rca pass through so you would like take out like the uh, like the yellow like rca cable that was plugged into your tv and plug it into this female end and then plug the male like into uh, uh the tv and i always wondered why does it need that like little extra bit and like every other system like is always plugged in and i never i never you know thought enough to look up that answer but the time crisis on the playstation is the like that that gap between like duck hunt to like playstation where like i really wasn't playing a whole lot like of any like shooting games at home time crisis is what is like kind of like got us out of that funk and we played a lot of time crisis on the playstation yeah i'd say that the gun con is really what brought gun games back into the four um yeah. where they really languished um i don't think it was the only one uh, there was a kind of a resurgence at the time because over on the saturn side of things you had virtual cop and virtual cop did pretty well and then of course that led eventually to the house of the dead games and yes. whatnot um which also we got you know house of the dead on saturn and that was great and it was a great mm-hmm. arcade game and that's really i think where things picked back up again like you had this big lull right. in the 60 and like yeah. the games were great there was no really yep. even reason to get a light gun really honestly but on the 32-bit yeah. systems, I think light guns were where it was at. Yeah. And, there, and there's another Namco series that's got to be mentioned when we're talking about PlayStation and arcades as well. Uh, and I didn't know about this early on. This this is kind of like Krabby said, or Kelsey said, that when, you know, uh, I didn't know about this at the time. And then years later, looking back as like a retro uh, collector, or like a PlayStation collector, I saw the Point Blank games. And you saw like okay like it's just a it's a very silly very goofy like looking aesthetic and I really didn't know much about it and what kind of got me looking at it was like oh there's a point blank two and a point blank three like oh they must be really good because they keep making them and people keep buying them so I remember getting into point blank and it's just it's hard to explain it's almost like uh it's almost like a, like a WarioWare style where it's like so yeah right where it's like so so wacky so crazy it's got you know like they've got um uh the style uh is just down because they've got it like nailed and it's 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 frantic it's frenetic it's uh it's fun um it's uh it's fast um it's uh there's a ton of variety so it's not like you know like one or two games there's like 90 different things you can do and then it's like with the difficulty with how you know how how fast you want to go how hard you want to make it I wish I was in a point blank earlier, but I was just a time crisis person, like first time through. And then like going back to PlayStation when I was like, all right, let me find some of the stuff that I never played. Man, this point blank good. Oh, like uh, alone with other people, point blank's awesome. And I've only played it in the arcade once. It was uh, not to mention, you know, Disney again, but back when they had Disney Quest, it's closed now. But it was like this indoor, like charge for admission arcade um, where you know, pay one price and then everything's free play, and there was like a whole point blank area. So I just kind of went from like one to the other to the other. <laughs> so only played it that one time in the arcade. It was awesome. What about um, you, Kelsey? Uh, one of the reasons that I got interested in PlayStation was actually like Gun Game, because when it first came out, I went over to my friend's house who got it for Christmas, 
And all he had was Battle Arena Tushin did. Which, you know, <laughs> we played for the weekend, and then it was like, I don't need a PlayStation if this is all the play. <laughs> and then, like, a couple weeks later, he's like, okay, come over. I got some new games. So we came over. We, we played Twisted Metal 2 forever, and it was the best thing ever. And then he pulled out Area 51. And we, like, weekends and weekends, because there's so many little hidden things you can, like, yeah. shoot in that game if you're, like, paying attention. And, it was, you know, it's just that cool, like, sci-fi aliens that looked really neat and everything's really fast and jumpy. And you've got to remember where all the uh, the hostages are and stuff. So, yeah, like, the, after playing Twisted Metal 2 and Area 51 on the PlayStation, I was like, okay, I should save up some money. I'm going to need a PlayStation at some point. Uh, it really sold me on it because I, I hadn't played any Lycan games in the arcade. To, oh, no, that's not true. I played Terminator 2 in the arcade mm-hmm. prior to that, most likely. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, so it was the first time I really seen like, a, like, like Bill said, it was like duck hunt. And then like that, like yeah. <laughs> 10 year gap before yeah. something that really wowed me with a light gun. And it was, yeah, area 51. It's funny. Cause I don't remember area 51, like being like a PlayStation game. Like I think of that area 51 maximum force, like combo in the arcades. But now that you mention it, like, yeah, it was it was definitely uh, uh, in that yeah, PlayStation I think, era. I think it was pretty early one too. Yeah, it was. It uh, might have it might have been a big box, right? Or was it not? I don't know because uh, I didn't buy it. My friend had it, so okay. I, I've seen it in a jewel case. I've never seen it in a big box, so I'm not actually hundred gotcha. percent on that. Gotcha. Yeah, but yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, it's funny because Area Fifty One because because like on games, like if you're gonna walk up to an arcade and play Mortal Kombat. Like, you know, someone who is not a fighting game fan is probably not going to walk up to, like, a Mortal Kombat. It's, like, it's got that, like, you know, that barrier to entry. But, like, a light gun game, it's like, okay, I put a quarter in, I take this gun, I shoot the things on the screen. Like, it's accessible. Like, anybody can play it. I feel like that was part of it. But I remember, like, Area 51 was, like, a phenomenon in the arcades around here. Like, every movie theater had one. Every, like, you know like rest stop, you know, like back when they would have like a couple <laughs> arcade games. I feel like I saw that area 51 and then later on maximum force combo all over the place. And, uh, uh it's just not something that I ever got super into. It's kind of like I played it a few times and I'm like, Oh, that game was really cool. And, but I never like fell deep into it. Like you did. It sounds like it was a fun time. Though. Yeah. After, after the PlayStation one, I did run into it in the arcade a few times and, loved it like it's one of those things mm-hmm. if i see it it's like i gotta put at least one quarter yeah. in and then i even owned one at my store for a little while and then i accidentally broke one of the uh the pins pinouts for the gun and, and that was a big issue for a while <laughs> but but before i broke it like every yeah. day we closed up it was like play a little bit of area 51 there's one customer who was like addicted to it. he'd come in every day and he, he spent so much of the store i was just like yeah like go free play very few as much as you want and so we'd lock up sometimes and play like half an hour together and he'd like help me get through the whole game because um, he could basically one credit it at that point that's awesome. awesome and not to be totally outdone konami um <laughs> put out another justifier for the playstation um so if you gave again if you love lethal enforcers um, you can keep playing it on the PlayStation if you get that big green justifier. Uh, <laughs> so, again, weird get that they the came colors. out with their own stuff, but okay. There's, there's somebody somewhere who's got like the rainbow of justifiers hanging. So. <laughs> I'm tell- I've got a green yeah, and, justifier. And, 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 so. the, and the pastel it, rainbow. <laughs> and wasn't it like a different? It wasn't like the same revolver, right? Like, wasn't it like no? A it's weird, it's very it's like 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 space gun kind of looking. Yeah, it was like a sci-fi looking. It's like thing, bright yeah. green, like yeah. you know, like this horrible like bright lime green color. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, and 
you know, for me, um, I my friend had um, he didn't even have a gun con. He had um, like this knockoff that it looked like a literal pistol. Uh, mm-hmm. It was silver and like had a brown handle, but yep. it was just a knockoff, you know, light gun, and it would work. And he would, we would go over and play that one for like Time Crisis and stuff. And I don't know where he got it, but uh, that's what we used to use. And then um, obviously on the Saturn side, I played games with the the Stunner. Right, that was the Saturn's <laughs> yeah. light guns, the Sega Stunner, and Virtual Cop, Virtual Cop Two. Um, which Virtual Cop eventually was packed in with lots of stuff, so it was really easy to find copies of that thing, but also Virtual yeah, Cop mm-hmm. 2. So I enjoyed those games were a lot of fun, and I, I was digging what Sega was doing at the time. Still don't have and never bought a House of the Dead, but I, you know, I, I, don't, mm. want, I don't want to sell one it's of my kids right now. now on the Saturn. It, like, yeah. For a long time, it was like, 20 30 bucks and all of a sudden it's like 200 bucks it's like, what happened yeah there's a reason i don't own house of the dead on uh on saturn but you know it's still cool right you can play i like the stunner too it's a pretty solid feeling uh light gun it's a good it's a good light yeah. gun and then we get to the next gen after that i mean we had the weird time right so we got gun con 2 with playstation 2 but then columbine happened and um, Sega decided not to release their light gun in the United States. And so we never got it. You got third-party light guns. But that was weird. We got light gun games for the Dreamcast, but you had to yeah. go buy a, like a third-party one because Sega decided just not to release theirs over here. Which is like a strange yeah, move. It's, it's really hard to find the Xbox light guns as well. Yeah, like the Silent Scope. Yeah. yeah, it's and it's and it's funny because I I forgot that that was the reason why. I remember being like a first party snob uh, with everything, like and like I hate like admitting it, but like I would go to other people's houses and I would see third party controllers, and I was like, look at this guy over here with the uh, Mad Cats. Or, like, she got whatever. that Pelican controller. This guy's yeah, got right. right? Uh, so I, I I will say that there was a third party Dreamcast. Uh, sorry, Genesis controller that we got. Like my parents got like one of those like you know blister pack Costco bundles that just had all the stuff like in it. And it just came with a third-party controller, so it's like, I guess we have to use this. And I actually really liked it. I don't know if you say it uh, AC or ASCII, yeah, uh, however you say it, but it was like a Genesis pad, but like the Super Nintendo style with like the four face buttons and the two shoulders. And it had like the turbo um, switches for each button. Really, really liked it. But um, I remember being such a first-party snob, and uh, I wanted to get four official Dreamcast controllers. And I wanted four jump packs, and I wanted four VMUs. Like, no, not the Interact, thank you very much. But, like, I really wanted House of the Dead. And I remember, like, looking up the, the light gun and be like, all right, like, when are we going to get this? And it was like, oh, Sega's decided not to release that in the United States. So it's like, all right, like, what are we going to do? So I had to buy a third-party light gun for the Dreamcast. I wanted House of the Dead. The shame. So I, I, I know. The shame you I, must have felt. I, I couldn't remember the name of it, so I had to, like, look it up. And now looking at the picture of it, we had the Interact Starfire Light Blaster. <laughs> I've got one of those. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the thing is... They feel like it's, the cheapest it's, piece of garbage. Yeah, and it's chunky, too. It, it looks like a gun con that has, like, the mumps. <laughs> it's just, like, 
<laughs> like it's got like that whole like bottom you know part in front of the trigger it's got like the big d-pad so you have to like hold it like out uh it does have the double triggers though which was a, a feature that i saw on the, the oh, official okay. Sega I have one, one. Of those. yeah i didn't know what it yep. was called yeah I got yep one of those. And, and like so like but it's fun. like i can never do it with one finger because like I, my finger is not designed to like push a button like forward with the back of it so you Good would hold idea. it with one hand then with the other other hand like um but yeah it's uh that was our house of the dead jam was it and every time you know someone come over and it's like oh you want to play house of the dead i'm like okay but i i have to i have to warn you it's uh it's uh, it's not it's not an official uh i have the same thing and the buddy i mentioned on the show a few times that i i used to play jrpgs with before all this covid stuff uh he's got a wireless ps2 controller that is his favorite thing that he's had since the ps2 is current that he uses for everything and every time I come over to play with him, I make him unplug it and plug it a regular controller. <laughs> <laughs> he hates it so much. That's not it's a like you see, shock, too. Yeah. It's yeah. like you see it and you look at him and you're like, well, I'm sure things will start looking up for you at some <laughs> point soon. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, and I hate that I was like that, but yeah, I was, I was such, I was such a little snob. I was probably insufferable. Still am. But, uh, but yeah, the Starfire Light Blaster was our Dreamcast gun of choice back in the House of the Dead days. <laughs> Yeah, it's just weird that Sega went that direction and, and Namco's like, yeah, whatever. Here's Gun Con 2. I never thought about it until this conversation, too, but like after the Super Nintendo, Nintendo just abandoned light guns. Like N64 yeah. and GameCube had nothing yep. until yep. the Wii. Not even out. third yeah. party. Nothing. Yeah. 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 Nobody. They didn't care. Like whatever. I wonder, I, and I don't remember, I don't know if it's behind closed doors or if there was a mandate, if Nintendo was, if like any, because. Because you got to be approved to like put a game on the system, right? There's no Tengen on you know N64, so I don't know if there was any you know stuff you never heard about that was like, hey, we want to, we'll, we'll do our own gun, we'll do this. Nintendo was like, new. No. Yeah, because you know, like, Midway put a lot out on the 64, and they have a lot of like gun stuff. So, but it was yeah. in that. Shut them down. It was in that post-Mortal Kombat phase of Nintendo that were like, no, we're the family-friendly yeah. console. Uh, yeah. Even though we Mortal will Kombat put out games on the I, 64. I know. Even though they <laughs> did that, you remember, they really pitched in 64 to a young market. And yeah. the Game Boy was so huge with the young market at that time. Yeah. I mean, I know they were yeah. doing, like, Play It Loud, but... Let's face it. There was nothing about the N sixty four that was play aloud. I mean, I, I think I think play aloud was fun, like a direct campaign. Yeah, they, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I think I think play down. I think play aloud was like directly in con- like to compete Genesis. with like yeah. the the Genesis, but like just the people who were listening to those yes. Genesis ads, like just to counter that energy out. And nothing else. Yeah. So, um, I mean, after that, it, obviously things changed a lot i mean we've got into playstation 3 and uh hd tvs that can't that's what i'm saying yeah. technology yeah. right yeah. we got into hdmi and we started dealing flat screens and so light gun games so you go ahead so that's your so real quick that's that's a good because we haven't discussed that up to this point so um chris is probably between the three of us the most knowledgeable about crt technology you mentioned the the tube the invention of the television book a few uh, episodes ago that's still on my amazon wish list so um, i will send you I'll the give, book if you want to read it bill just let me know i would love i would love to read it yeah just just send me pictures text me pictures of to, each page I don't care. As... I, i'm not going to read it again <laughs> if you want the book i'll ship it to you. <laughs> awesome so uh uh so I'll I'll give it the quick layman thing and then Chris can explain like the gigahertz that are involved in there. So the way a CRT 
screen draws an image on the screen is, you know, like one line at a time, top to bottom, left to right. So what happened with the light gun is as that line was being drawn and the gun would trigger, uh, you know, on where that uh, that line was being drawn, the game could determine where on the screen that blast was, was happening. So what happens with... Um, uh, high definition, like flat screen, like uh, uh, televisions, that process doesn't happen. So there's no communication between, you know, like where like a beam of light would hit the screen, uh, you know, versus like the old CRT televisions. So the uh, anyone who wanted to make a game that was based on where your controller was pointing had to come up with another solution to create that targeting mechanism. And now that's that's where we're at in kind of the technology uh, phase of things in this generation. Yeah, and that really just didn't happen on Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3, and it really wasn't a thing again until Wii. And simply because, again, like the whole method of how the Wii remote worked by sensing... The PS3 eventually got there with the Move controllers, but not like the Wii at all. Right, but that was a reaction to the Wii. It wasn't... For sure. Uh, and they're For really sure. not light guns um no not not in the same sense but you can right. like they did port some of the light gun yeah. games from the wii over there after yeah they had that weird sports game where you could do the arrows and right. the, yeah but, the archery right. and stuff yeah and 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 not to get too far ahead but what was the peripheral that you stuck the move controllers into it was like a little submachine gun type thing that, yeah like, you... they had one that came with like resistance three and, yes and, yeah yep. i can't yeah. remember what they called that but i i've but yeah, like a couple of those. yeah, like one of them like went on the top, kind of like straightforward, like the barrel. The other was kind of down where your other hand would be. Yeah. And yeah, and, and you had like an analog stick on it. So when I saw that, I was like, "That's a really, really cool idea." And if they can pull it off, it wasn't actually you know like really well executed, but it was a super cool idea. But for so, sure, a reaction. Totally agree with you that it wasn't well executed. Cool idea. Eventually, uh, when the PS4 came out and they added PSVR to that setup. It works mm. really cool with some games because they still use those move controllers and just a different gun shell. And uh, it's the but, same camera, right? Uh, yeah. The, well, not the, the the move the PS Move camera. What, what do they call it? The um the PlayStation uh, I. PlayStation I, yeah. I. Um, yeah. So I can't recall what the game was called. It's driving me nuts. But my neighbor, he was a huge PSVR guy, so he'd always call me over every couple of weekends and say like, I got this new PlayStation VR game. Come check it out. He had one that was basically like Starship Troopers. Like you're on a abandoned like alien planet and just hordes of bugs are coming at you and you just shoot them all in your vr mode and it was really neat really neat but it used all that same tech that the ps3 had other than the vr helmet nice so yeah chris you were talking about the uh the way that the wii uh was uh, performed its targeting and its mechanisms yeah and so the wii since it used it's the built-in wii mode was real simple that's why you had that little bar um that those were just infrared emitters and mm-hmm. so you had a receiver on the Wiimote end, and that's how it could figure out where it was at based on where those two emitters were. That's why you could get any two generic things or even put two candles next to your TV and it would work. I mean, it didn't care. When that's the, what we, we came do. out the weekend, after we had it, we went on a trip somewhere and had a friend house it for us. And he felt so bad because we had a new cat at the time, and the cat had munched through the sensor bar cord. <sighs> And he felt so bad, so he did a ton of research. Like, what can I do? Like, I can't buy these yeah. anywhere. Wees are sold out everywhere. Yeah. How am I going to yeah. fix this? Um, so he he lit like four tea candles in front of our TV when we got back to show us. <laughs> like, this works. You can use this yeah. for a while. <laughs> we had to do yeah, that yeah. for like a month until we could get a new sensor bar. 
and also I give them credit because they wanted to make the the wire as long as possible to accommodate whatever like you know setups people have, but it was like the thinnest gauge wire that is legally allowed to be sold in North America. <laughs> it was like, if you sneeze, like the, I'm, I'm sure if the cat sneezed on it, it would have broken it's, through that wire. Well, yeah, I don't know what the power requirements are. It was probably like 0. 0.00002 Nothing. watts or yeah. something that the thing right, right. consumes. Uh, well, that was to the point where it was pretty popular add on. And uh, I've got one somewhere still that they sold like a lot of third parties sold the battery operated ones. So you wouldn't have to run the sure. cord. You know, you just stick exactly. it wherever you want to yep. stick it. Um, but those aren't official first-party products, so Bill and I can't use them. <laughs> well, and I, I only don't think buy those Nintendo, Nintendo brand candles. candles. <laughs> I, was, I don't think those were Nintendo <laughs> candles that you were using either. Uh, so the PlayStation Move, though, very, very different idea. That was a camera system that detected the position of the ball in space to a degree. I mean, obviously, XY, it was pretty decent at figuring that out so anything that was kind of like simulated the idea of the Wii could do it pretty well because it only had to pick up two dimensional movement three dimensional movement yeah let's just say it wasn't the greatest at that Um, it it was as good at at that as the six axis was at being a six axis (laughs) god almighty what a so par for the Sony controller functionality nobody wants rumble okay don't you understand that nobody wants the last gen feature yeah almighty but everybody's gonna love layer and the six axis yeah I was looking forward so much to Lair because it was Factor 5, and I'm like, oh, Rogue Squadron yeah, and just, like, dragons and flies. It's going to be great. And I didn't end up having that feeling. <laughs> uh. The only <laughs> thing I remember doing with the six-axis that was even slightly fun was on uh, Heavenly Sword. <laughs> if you shot an arrow, you could, like, direct the arrow around the moving the mm. controller. Yep. But you didn't have to do that very much in that game, thankfully. In in Demon Souls, you could push the gesture button and then flick it in certain ways to do the different gestures. So, okay. You know. <laughs> it was so like stupid. But anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah, it was really weird. Um, uh, and you could do the same thing if, in Bloodborne too. If you look, you can uh, hit the gesture <laughs> button and flip the controller different ways to do the gestures. It's so stupid, but anyway. <laughs> Uh, it's something no one wants to do. I don't think well, I've, I've ever done a gesture in any. You haven't played multiplayer. That's why. That's that's another thing that I feel like is like you know the game is done and then somebody in a room somewhere is like, hey, we got this feature. We got got to th- throw something in there, and then yeah. you know it just gets shoehorned. We've got this giant touchpad stuck on the top of every controller. Could you do something yeah. with it? We sold this to so many people. <laughs> like, well, I mean, it's a button, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. it's a button. Push it to open your map. <laughs> right. Mm. Oh, it's a touch screen? Yeah, we can't do anything with yeah. that. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, you know, and that really kind of takes us, because obviously, you know, like you said, with PlayStation 4, there was still PSVR, and some of those things were still around. It was all the PS3 move tech, like, still, yeah. which was felt really weird. I think that was their way of saying, hey, we don't want to invest a lot of money in case this flops, and we already have these things out there. Yeah. So they, they announced the PS5's getting a new PSVR and nothing, like, no at all information beyond that. Like, my my biggest yeah. hope is there's new controller uh, that comes with it. Like, if they use the, 
the dual sense like great but other games you know that's just not a controller that will function with it so i hope they do a better version of the move for it and, and update that to current tech mm. i'm sure they'll have to because yeah i mean those things are past their they sell, were feeling sell by date. last gen yeah <laughs> yeah cool so that kind of takes us to where we're at now and so, you know, kind of talking about the history of light gun games, how they've evolved, uh, you know, I guess when we were talking, we also didn't mention, you know, like the Wii was huge for them. Uh, Link's crossbow training. There was uh, House of the Dead overkill. I mean, it, again, it was a big resurgence. The Wii had so many. Yeah, and it like pulled out like old arcade games and it had a whole bunch of new stuff. Yeah, it was Resident crazy. Evil. I mean, yeah. yeah, it was like it was cool to do light gun games because again, because the tech was there, everybody had it. It was yeah. built into the system, so it exploded mm-hmm. on the Wii, and it's easy. People get it. Point the thing at the screen, pull the trigger. It had a trigger built yeah. into it. Not tricky. Right. And obviously, the Wii was the very much every man system. Your grandma had one because you mm-hmm. know because it was on Ellen or I, whatever. I, I I really think people forget. Not people forget, but like I really feel like it's lost maybe a little bit on some people who don't who weren't around when the Wii was like, even like Brent, like the day the Wii came out, it was 199 or was it 199 or 249, but it was yeah. so cheap. I think it was 249 up here for us. So it would have been 199 yeah. for you guys. It's, it was like, it was a couple hundred bucks and like, we haven't had like a day one brand new system for like under $200 here in like forever. It's at least like four or five, you know, 600 depending on the model. So like, I like, and even people who like, uh, like weren't planning on getting one. It's like, oh, I'm like a say, uh, sorry, I'm like I'm a Sony guy, or oh, like I got my Xbox. What do I care? It's like Nintendo has the stuff that's not anywhere else that everyone wants to play, and it was a couple hundred dollars. This system sold 80 billion units a minute. It was un, <laughs> it was it was you couldn't stop this thing. It was unbelievable. This is how weird it was. I mean, I work for a hospital system, but I would have to help a lot with the management retreats, help set up equipment and, and kind of anyway. Um, and I remember there was one time where the CEO had seen the Wii on TV or whatever, and he just hands me some cash. He says, go buy a Wii and get this sports game with it and bring it back here because we're going to hook it up and use it during the management retreat during our like downtime. And so he like just hands me some cash, go to the store, right. go buy a Wii come back <laughs> so i mean yeah. that was how much it had permeated just everything. yeah and he that's, was that's that's, that's, that's when you tell him he was, that, he would play that's when you golf. tell him like oh dude weezer 500 bucks so uh i'm just gonna get uh, one for chris's house <laughs> and uh, one for the hospital but yeah no the i i'm telling you the first time i played one was in in a um it was a gamestop thing there were it was like babbage's but it like just become a gamestop and I remember, like, I went there specifically because I heard they had, like, the demo unit, and it was, everyone was like, okay, because you heard it was going to be motion control, and, like, we had seen this before, like, it didn't seem like it was really going to work, and I'm telling you, like, they had bowling on there, and I picked up that controller, and a guy explained it to me, he's like, yeah, so you get the trigger, and then, like, so you do the thing, and, like, you release the trigger... And I'm telling you, it like that, like the two magical moments I have with like playing a game in a different mode that I've like been used to playing, like you know, besides a controller, were playing Wii Sports Bowling, like in that, like as soon as I did it, and it wasn't just doing it and the bowling happened. I could tell that like oh, at the very end, I just like twisted my wrist just like the subtlest amount. And, like, the ball, like, actually did that. And then I did it, and, like, I kept my wrist straight, and it went straight. I was like, oh, man. 
it not only does it work, like it works exactly like you like would expect it to work. The other one was the first time I played uh, uh, rock band uh, at a dent, like because we had played guitar here a little bit, and then but they had like a full rock band setup, like microphone, drums, the whole deal. And it was a it was a demo at Best Buy, and I played the guitar and sang at the same time, and like <laughs> I, like the, the score was happening. And I remember walking away from that, like my heart was pounding, and I was like, "This is gonna be the coolest thing <laughs> in the world." But it was, man, the Wii, oh, the Wii was was something something else, and gave us just dance, which we'll never get away from now. So. Sure did. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 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 that's what I call Just Dance 22 or like whatever version they're up to. 2022 is probably going to be out this they year. They put one yeah, out every we... year. Uh, they, they're <laughs> yeah. not stopping. Um, nope. And, yeah, I mean, they keep making Wii copies of these new Just Dance games. I mean, it's crazy. Because <laughs> Grandma still has her Wii hooked up in the basement. You know what I mean? Oh, That's the kids true. are coming over. You want to play some Wii? We were going to get rid of our Wii, and somebody was, and someone, before we had kids, and I was like, ah, we never play it. And somebody was with kids, one of our friends was like, dude, Put it in the basement. Put it at your parents' house. You know, because there will there will come a time when your four, six, seven, ten, twelve year old, whatever, like, will be there, and like, it'll be. It's still going to be fun, even though it's older. So that is where it is in my mom's We've basement. Been playing Wii Sports this last like month with my four year old, and she loves it. Mm. My kids still play Wii Sports Resort fairly often. So. Nice. Uh, Okay, well, like getting back to light guns, um, now that we've kind of talked again, you know, briefly about an overview of the history and where things came from, um, obviously we want to talk about some of our favorite light gun games and and things that go along with that. So um, obviously, so we're not, we're not here all night. I've tried to ask everybody to keep it down to like maybe their top three or, or it doesn't even have to be your top, maybe just three you want to talk about, your three three faves. Bill, for those that are not watching the video version, is holding up a lot of fingers. Um, so we'll just say that we're going to shoot for three and then maybe some honorable mentions. So Hey, I see what you did there. Right, we're gonna, three, three that you can really spend some time talking about and then maybe some honorable mentions that, you know, we can sure. spitball a little bit. So and we've mentioned a bunch just kind of throughout already, so it shouldn't be, shouldn't be too terribly many. Yeah. Um, so... We'll we'll just do this round robin style. So Kelsey, you're up. Talk to me about one of your favorite light gun games. Sure, I'm gonna stick to the NES to start off. Um, so most light gun games, not just on the NES, like on everything, are just like here's a here's a bad guy or a target, like shoot it. Um, so it's pretty samey, no matter what kind of light gun you're playing for the most part. So one that really impressed me was Gumshoe on the NES, where it's like a platformer with the gun where you're like shooting the character to manipulate how he moves. So he's doing jumps and you're dodging pits and you're dodging enemies and things by shooting the actual guy you're supposed to be protecting. You're also doing a little bit of target avoidance. If there's a bomb in front of you or something, you got to shoot that. So he just walk into it, but it was just a really neat concept so early that nobody ever really seemed to copy that. Uh, you don't just have to, do the same thing in every single light gun game. You can mess around with that formula a little bit and do something kind of interesting. And so there's like a short little story to this game too, where he's trying to save his daughter. He's like the detective. Uh, his, his daughter's been kidnapped. Uh, so it was just neat to see a, a game that wasn't just a shooting gallery that early. And uh, yeah, it really impressed me. 
It's funny that you bring it up. That's one of the ones I have as an honorable nice. mention in here. And yeah, because I had, I didn't own it, but a friend did. So I borrowed it a lot to where I could beat the game. And I thought this was like a really cool, because like Duck Hunt, you say you get tired of it. Like 10 minutes, you're like, okay, I'm good. But this game, I wanted to beat it. I wanted to play all the way yeah. through it. And mm-hmm. it had like kind of a lot of neat things. Like, oh, your guy normally dies in one hit, but you can catch like, uh, you know, a football helmet, and he can take another hit, or like this other <laughs> item, and he can take three <laughs> hits. And there's like, you know, you shoot like birds, they turn into turkeys, and mm-hmm. you know, some of the walls will blow, blow up if he touches them, and bombs will just fall out of the sky. And if you don't shoot them fast enough, they'll yeah. blow up. There's yeah, one section that's probably the hardest section in the game where the bombs are falling from the sky because you're like walking up a hill too, so you're getting closer to the bombs. You got to hit them like immediately when they come on screen. And then there's like in it Zuli or something is like the monster at the end. I'm trying to remember. But you have to like collect all these diamonds in the stages, and if you yeah. miss the diamond, you got to loop through the stage again to get it. But once you get the diamond, then you can exit that level and then go on to the next. And then eventually, once you get all the diamonds, there's a monster that you have to fight. I think it's Zuli, if I remember I can't right. Remember its name. And then suddenly, your guy gets like a machine gun, and so you just have to make him sh- jump just right to kill, hit the monster in the eye, so many times yeah. to win. Um, yeah, same thing. It's it's a neat concept. You're not just shooting the boss, right? You're manipulating your character to do the actual fighting. Um. One of the few U.S. only Nintendo developed NES games. So, uh, again, they thought gun's going to be a lot bigger in the U.S. Those guys love to shoot things. So, (laughs) they had a custom title ready. Never came out on the Famicom. So, very good. Cool. Well, Bill? Yeah, so it was mentioned briefly uh, earlier, um, I believe by Kelsey, um, and I know, like, looking back on it, I know it's not, like, a classic. It's not a probably not even a great game it might not even be a good game but i always loved revolution x in the arcade (laughs) i really did and i don't know what it was i don't know if it was just that it was aerosmith if it was helga um you know because like in like the attract mode there was like this like black leather clad attractive woman uh named helga and she's like one of like the you know like the so basically like music has been outlawed as well as everything else, like, in the future. Um, it's got this really cool style. Like, it's very, like, that, like, early 90s version of, like, the distant dystopia, like, Demolition Man, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, type of feel to it. Um, and uh, basically the idea is everything's been outlawed, and, like, you're, like, fighting for the future, and, like, music is the weapon, and, like, Aerosmith is in it, and, like, Aerosmith music is playing, and I guess compact discs were, like, you know, relatively new so like the special weapon in the game is like you fire like the like pretty much like in the terminator arcade game where like when you fire that like missile like side button that side button you fire out a compact disc uh, (laughs) that goes out and it's like music is actually the weapon and um i just remember like early on in the game like at the end of the first level you like uh like you're like at a club like so it starts off you're outside the club where aerosmith is playing and you fight your way in and then you're inside and aerosmith's like playing a, a show on stage and then eventually, like, you know, like, the bad guys, like, you know, usher the guys, like, off the, like, oh, get out of here. And, like, all the, it's, like, full motion video, but it's, like, only, like, five or ten frames at a time. So it's, like, Aerosmith's, like, walking off the stage, like, hey, 
hey, okay. <laughs> like what you know it's like just weirdly animated and then when you beat that first level you get like a full-on steven tyler like talking to you full motion video like okay you made it this far now we gotta go a little further and it's like very like kind of total recall like you're quaid you gotta like save the world type thing so again like Look, and I've played it sin- in the years <laughs> since. It's not, you know, the masterpiece that I remember. But I just remember every time I saw Revolution X in the arcade, I was like, yeah, I need to put some quarters in it and shoot some compact discs at some bad guys and see Helga for just a few minutes. So, Revolution X. I don't think I ever played that in the arcade, only on home systems. Mm. Um, mm. I never owned it. I've seen but... it in the arcade. It never appealed to me to even try it. <laughs> Yeah, if if you ever see it, you know, next time you're at the bowling alley and they're clearancing out all the arcade machines, uh, give it just give it a go. See if it, you might get a chuckle out of it. That's funny. And I, I lo- I've always loved the Aerosmith song "Eat the Rich," so like I think I was just walking by it the first time, and that's one of the songs that just plays like during like a level, and uh, I was just like, oh, like what is that? That's cool, and like that's how I like found out about that song was from that game. So, <laughs> so is the. Is it actually a gun since it shoots CDs? It's mounted. Or... Yeah, it's 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 like a mounted gun, okay. so it might actually be the same physical machine as a Terminator, uh, Terminator Two uh, arcade machine. Okay. Where that, that it, it's almost like it fools you into thinking it's a like I don't actually know if it is a light gun or not because a lot of those games that have guns mounted on a thing, it's like a joystick, right? right? Yeah. And like that's how it's determining where you're going. But I think it's also like the 45 degree mirror with the the bottom mounted excuse me or like the you know the with the screen actually facing up just so they can you know have the machine basically not be like top heavy and like you know shorter and like a little bit shallower um but uh, uh and actually another one that uses that trick is silent scope uh silent scope is a hundred percent just like a joystick and like it shows you like you know your view on the screen you're not actually you know zooming into the the screen in front <laughs> of you but uh, but yeah, like so that that like side button on like the Terminator, um, you know, gun. It's uh, it's your your compact disc firing mechanism. So cool. Uh, well, the first one I'm going to bring up is the first light gun game I ever played, and so I'm going to go way back. But this is an arcade. I don't know if you guys have ever seen it. It's an arcade game called Crossbow from Exidy, and so oh, it's heard of it even early '80s. You guys should check it out. I mean, obviously it's early '80s. So I mean, Crossbow. it's fairly straightforward but here's the idea of the game is i mean again it's a shooting gallery but what happens is you have these characters um and what they do is they walk slowly from left to right across the screen and these different environments and you have to shoot all the hazards that are on the screen so they don't kill your characters because if they get hit by something they die and you know, obviously, you only have so many of these characters on the screen that make it from level to level. So your idea is you got to try to keep them alive. I just pulled up the cabinet. It's kind of ugly. That's one of the ugliest cabinets. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I've ever I'm seen. not. You know, I'm not going to say it's the most gorgeous <laughs> thing I've ever seen in my life. But the game itself is was fun. It was really neat, and it kind of had these really kind of simple sort of sound and voices to them. Um, but you know, it was like this cool stage. There's like a, a volcano stage where they walk across, and there's lava and all this stuff that's happening. There's like a, a ghost, like cemetery kind of one that they walk through. And so, do you pick the path you go to after you be a level two? It looks like you can maybe choose different routes. To yeah, I think you here. pick like you shoot like a different way you want to go but eventually you have to go through like all the levels or whatever okay. it is i don't know you know you don't usually last that long <laughs> but uh and it's been years since i've played this game i just remember going and playing it in the arcade a lot as a kid uh 
But it was just fascinating because it was the first time I'd ever seen a game like that. And to hop up, and it had this legit giant wooden crossbow that you used <laughs> to aim and shoot things on the screen. So as being a kid, this thing was like gigantic, right? And so, you know, you're trying to, you know, shoot all this stuff down. Uh, and, you know, it's kind of what you'd expect it to be. It's that things are raining down or things would pop out. And, um, and again, these people are just ridiculous, like the slowest walking human beings. <laughs> like, hey, there's stuff trying to kill you. They're like, da, 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 you know, but Mr. McGoo style. Yeah. I mean, it's just like oh, the most leisurely stroll on the planet. Mm-hmm. And like you're in a like lava field <laughs> with everything coming to kill you. But um, I would say if you ever get a chance, um, I don't know. It's probably in MAME. I'm sure it probably has some sort of emulation mm-hmm. to it. But just give it a goof. Check it out. As a kid, though, it was amazing. I was completely fascinated by this thing. So that's back to me? Yeah. So I'm going to jump from the NES up to the Wii. Um, so... I, I knew you guys when the Wii came out, and I remember you telling me to try Dead Space. And I tried it, and it just didn't click for me. But then I played Dead Space Extraction on the Wii, which is like kind of a reimagining of the first game, I think, but all like an on-rails light gun shooter. And I loved it. That mm. that one really spoke to me in a way that I, I don't know why the first one didn't, because it really does check a lot of boxes for me, and it should have. Yeah. Um, but like... Having those, oh, I can't, what, do you remember what the bad guys are called in Dead Space? Oh, uh, no, they weren't xenomorphs. Obviously, that's alien, but it was something like that. Something, yeah, something like that. But anyway, they're coming at you, and so like most like on games, you just like shoot the bad guy in the head or the chest enough times they blow up. But like being Dead Space, like you can like dismember the things coming at you, and you have to in some cases because it's more strategic. And it, there's a lot of pressure when there's multiple guys on screen and you've got to like dismember some of them to slow them down and then you can kill this one while that one's coming at you and, and it was really tense trying to make these like strategic decisions really quickly when there's multiple enemies coming at you uh which which like usually you know my heart doesn't start racing when i'm playing a light gun game because it's, it's just pretty <laughs> obvious what you need to do all the time but uh that was neat and there's also a lot of story built into it like you know, i was getting all the dead space lore out of a on-rail shooter which was really neat and something that was kind of a new experience for me because usually they're they're pretty shallow in terms of story it's like save the hostage or kill the bad guy that's it mm. but yeah you're getting all the like uh scientists on the distant planet like mining things they maybe shouldn't be and what's happening are we going crazy or is this really happening and some psychological stuff to it so it was just neat to see them kind of blend a good interesting sci-fi story into this really tense kind of strategic uh, shooting stuff that was going on in it. Awesome. Yeah. That's, that's all I have to say on that one. Did you play that with the, uh, does that, what's the little, uh, the accessory that came with Link's crossbow training, like that little plastic thing (laughs) that you stick the things into? Um, no, I didn't play with that crossbow shell. Um, I, think well you know i might have actually going back i I played some of the like games with and without and i played a lot of the wii like games so it's kind of blurring which ones i played with it but uh Mm. even without the the like games on the wii are really good but just the wii remote and uncheck didn't that come out on playstation 3 as well i think later after they did the move stuff i think they did port that one over to ps3 as well okay because i think i remember seeing i've never played extraction um 
Which is weird because I like the the uh, Dead Space games. Yeah, so. you were into Dead Space. Yeah. Until the third one hit. Oh god, the third one was bad. But uh, really, was yeah. it? I, I thought I, I thought so. Was it two? Was it? I thought I remember you liking two. One you two liked, is really sorry, good. Okay, and three just missed the mark. Just for you or in general? No. For most people, yeah. I think three was kind of a miss. It okay. really went, killed the franchise. Really went the wrong way. Uh, yeah. It, did did the did they like change Dante's haircut to all emo and like everything just No, just the spirit went out of it. I mean like the story oh, kinda sucked. That's too bad. And they had this two player, like simultaneous co op kind of thing. And the upgrade system was it just it had like a bench where you had to like build anyway, it sucked. Um That's too bad. They, they killed the franchise that they went too far away from it. Um Yeah. Well that's uh I don't know. I maybe I ought to go back to that one at some point in time. Give it a shot. I think it's pretty cheap. Yeah, if you ever game hunting and you see a copy, cool. I've got the Wii U hooked up, so definitely good. There you go. So, Bill. Yeah. So my number two is a Sega game, but probably not the Sega game that you would guess. Uh, so. I was in an arcade once, and I saw this big hulk of a machine that you had to step up onto, uh, which isn't uncommon for Sega. They had like you know, like the top skater where like you had to like stand on the skateboard and stuff. But like this was a like a gun game, a shooting game, um, and it was called uh, L.A. Machine Guns. Um, oh, and cool. what was what was interesting about this one to me was like that that big platform you were on. We saw the people that were on before us. It's like actually like physically shaking because it's like simulating like you're like, you know, have one of these like big like T2 style like rail uh, guns or, or sorry, like Gatling guns rather. So, you know, you, you put your quarters in, you stand up on this uh, uh, thing um, and you're you're basically mounted on the side of a helicopter and like the helicopter's like flying around and you're like, you know, shooting like the uh, uh, robot terrorists. Um, and, uh, uh, it's just like, you're just, con- cause you're constantly shooting cause you have unlimited ammo. So you're just up here on this machine, just shaking <laughs> for like five, 10, 20 minutes, however long you can pump quarters into it. And we just had a blast with it. And then, so we come to find out it's actually the sequel to a game called Gunblade New York. Uh, which is also an arcade game, um, and uh, I did a little research before the show. Apparently, this was ported, of course, to the Wii, to the Wii. Um, in a collection, uh, the Arcade Hits Pack, Gunblade LA, and LA Machine Guns. Um, if you want the full arcade experience, you're going to have to have a, a friend or loved one shape <laughs> you as you're uh, playing it. But uh, I, I still remember you seeing one of those this. massage chairs at the mall. <laughs> yeah. You could uh, strap a certain apparatus yeah. to your Wii remote, and uh, yeah, right. right. <laughs> or like, like they got the they got like those massage guns, just like like lay on one and just. But uh, yeah, it's um, it's you know, it's 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 non rail shooter. Um, it's uh, um, it's probably nothing you know like super unique or anything. But I just remember like standing up on that platform and just like shaking, like actually feeling like I was side mounted on a, a helicopter and. Uh, uh, yeah, had had a ton of fun with that. We would actually like uh, when we still had our, an arcade in our mall, uh, like in high school and everything. There was always like a couple we would want to go play. It was, you know, so there was always Street Fighter. There was always Mortal Kombat, and there was, but there was, you know, you kind of like I said earlier with Anomia. Even though if you're going to going into a game night looking to play like you know D and D or Arkham Horror or whatever. It's nice to kind of like break it up or start with something, you know, like nice and easy or like, you know, just something different to kind of get rolling. So we would always try to find something else. And I remember Gauntlet, Dark Legacy was always something we would like, you know, start off with just to kind of, you know, like get flowing there. So 
uh, LA Machine Guns was always one that, like, if I saw it, I was like, all right, I'm just going to shake for a little while. So <laughs> I've never seen that machine before. No, me yeah. neither. I, I like I knew it was an arcade machine. I didn't know about the platform and stuff. Wow. Yeah, and and I'm sure there's different versions because like most arcade games, especially if it's JAMA, like you yeah. can pop it into anything. Um, but yeah, it's uh, the the version that we played on was like you 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 stepped up onto it and the whole platform just shook. It was great. Awesome. Um, well, my next one up, I've mentioned it before. Uh, it is another Sega game, but uh, this one is pretty straightforward and that's it's virtual cop um nice. i man i played a lot of virtual cop both in the arcade and at home so i don't know why uh, you know obviously the first introduction i had to the virtual series was virtual fighter but for some reason i don't know if sega was just big in my area for arcade games or what but we had a lot of them so um our local putt putt well that was a place where we went to play street fighter because that was just, I don't know why. That was where everybody went to play like Street Fighter. And they were the first one to get a uh, virtual fighter. And so, you know, that was at that time, like fighters were big. We played it for a while, but I really just didn't ever get it at the arcade. I mean, I eventually got it once it came to Saturn, but the controls were so different. I just never figured it out in that time I had a quarter or two in it. Um, but Virtual Cop, obviously, no problem. So, I mean, we had like all those games. We had Virtua. Uh, like we had a full size, uh, virtual racing. Um, you know, we had all that stuff around us. I don't know why Sega was so big around where we were at, but anyway, but yeah, virtual cop. And so, you know, you just play tons of freaking virtual cop because it was awesome. <laughs> I mean, it was like, oh, this is, it was 3d. And I know, um, like, cause refresh me wrong, virtual cop came out first and then time, uh, Crisis was a little bit later after that. I think Virtual Cop's kind of like that first 3D fight that, shooter. That at least that's how, right to me. Yeah. At least that's how I yeah. experienced it. So yeah, it sounds right to me, and also just like the the look of it. It it's not that it's bad looking, but it kind of has that more primitive 3D yeah. look to it. And and another thing that I I like about um uh, uh Virtual uh, Cop that I can't think of a lot of other games doing this is. Every time there's an enemy or like a threat, the screen will zoom in on them in varying levels of like speed, and and the the target kind of like shrinks as it's getting closer and closer when you have to hit them, and sometimes it would be off screen. So like as you're zooming in, like you can't actually like hit them yet because like the view like hasn't moved over yet. So it was actually like pretty tense. You're like, all right, it's gonna happen. It's coming. It's coming. But yeah, there's some really really cool moments in that game for sure. Yeah, and it had like that targeting reticle thing where you're like once it all lined up, that's when they were gonna fire. I mean, so it yep. had a lot of great tells. You felt mm -hmm. like I really understand what's happening, and the movements were kind of cool. Like I would just like, roll out and yep. uh, you know. <laughs> It was just cool. There was, there was no there was, and there was no mocap, so yeah. like all like the animations were all like a yeah. person just said, "This is probably how a human runs." Let me program it this way. Oh, definitely, yeah, because you had to so, like not shoot the people, right? And yeah. so they would just of course be chugging oh, it across and, the screen. And, 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 speaking of and that, the, we we had the machine in my store for a while, and that was one of the attract modes that like every time it would come on, everyone in the store that had been there long enough. Would, would copy them like please don't shoot every time the machine would say it everyone in the store would say it right after them and I think it was great because, like, the game zooms in on, like, the bad guys. It also zooms in on the not bad guys. Like, yeah. And, like, so so the innocent people, they'll jump out at you <laughs> waving their arms like, don't shoot. But you're like, uh, you're kind of, I feel like I want to shoot you. So, <laughs> yeah, that was great. 
yeah. um, when we would like cycle games in and out of the store too, because we didn't have room for all of them. Um, I could always just throw them in storage, but if I had a friend, I'd, I'd like ask around. I'm like, Hey, do you want a, you know, virtual cop in your garage for you know a couple months? And the buddy that I do JRPGs with was interested. So we put it in his garage and that was like our primer game before we go play Shin Megami. We'd go into his garage, <laughs> play a, a virtual cop, and then we go play JRPGs. And we got good enough to one credit it on co-op wow. after a while because wow. we just we played a little bit every single time we went and we just yeah. got a little further, a little further, a little further, and yeah. Do you, and fun. do you do you know like okay like that's my guy, that's his guy, or like you were like both going after the same no, stuff? Yeah, or, we, no, we got yeah. it down after a while because yeah. we weren't getting very far at first, and so yeah, you had to coordinate and yeah. like when you get to good enough at like a game that you could play that long too like it's a good shoulder yeah. workout like it's hard to just keep your arms up yeah. the whole time yeah and people don't yeah it's it's honest and like honestly like next time you're just watching an action movie just like try to keep your like shoulder up the whole time like it burns after a little bit yeah especially like holding you know like the apparatus or whatever but yeah that's a good point and i'd be curious to know what was the first light gun game that developed the shoot off screen to reload mechanic Oh, I was just—we yeah. haven't even mentioned that yet. Yeah. But so I was—I th- was just thinking that so many games reload by shooting off screen, and I'm—I'm I'm a habitual reloader in every game ever, yeah. like in Destiny. There's like if one I kill... little thing missing, you gotta reload. Oh, if I—if I kill a guy, like reload, kill a guy, reload, and like I should really be using all the ammo, you know, like in my in my capacity. So like in in Destiny, I'm a little bit better because I'm—I have better ammo awareness which is a skill like not a lot of people think about as a thing, but in competitive shooters, ammo awareness is like enormous because you'll die as you're reloading because you didn't have to be reloading. But yeah, so many games, it's like kill a guy, shoot off screen, kill a guy, shoot off screen. So I'd I'd be really curious to know who kind of started that, uh, that reload trend. Mm. Yeah. I should have researched that. I I didn't, I didn't look that one up. I just thought about it now, but um, yeah. Yeah, and obviously later on um, at home, virtual cop two, I didn't, I don't think I've ever played virtual cop two arcade. But, um, yeah, played it quite a bit on the Saturn once it came home. So, uh, yeah, Virtual Cop. Very cool. Kelsey? Good pick. I'm going to stick to the Wii. Um, I'm a big Resident Evil fan, and the, I'm going to kind of uh. cheat and pick two because there's the Resident Evil Umbrella Chronicles and the Dark Side Chronicles. And they are so much better than any light gun game should be in terms of, like, depth um, because they play through, like famous scenes from the games um, but they also like fill in some like plot points that are like left open in those games too so there's like legit canonized story in these games and there's even extra missions so it's like if you want to see what wesker was doing during resident evil 2 you gotta like finish all these missions to unlock that and then you get like actual like content from these games that i love but beyond that uh they kind of have the Dead Space Extraction feel where, like, zombies coming at you. If you can nail not just a headshot, but, like, the top of the, like, brain pan kind of thing, it's, like, an an instant kill. Otherwise, you're going to take two or three hits in the face, or you're going to take, like, five or six shots to, like, hit them in the body. Um, And being a Resident Evil game, like, if you have a shotgun, you're going to do different damage than if you have a handgun, than if you have the magnum, than if you have a grenade, and, and... there's all these little hidden things around so you can collect um, like files from the games that same thing like you read through them and they fill in more plot more from the games. Um, it's just really neat to see how much they add to all these like really well-established stories that are already there and it and it looks fantastic, plays really good. The co-op's amazing in it. 
Um, like that's the best thing about co-op and on those kind of games too, is you don't have to split screen. You guys just share the same view and, mm. and have a great time. And, and it makes the game easier having a friend, even if they're not very good because the enemies don't get more health. You just have another person with another set of ammunition firing. So it's super, super fun. Uh, they're good by yourself or with someone else. I, th- I think even if you're not really into the Resident Evil universe, they're probably still pretty solid shooters uh, just because you get that strategy. You got a little bit of story. You get the big, wacky Resident Evil bosses in some cases. Um, you get to see some of like the coolest set pieces from each game, too. You don't have to wade through all the weird puzzles and stuff if you're not into that. You can just get right to the action, see the cool bosses, see the cool bad guys. Um, they're they're really really good and definitely worth checking out. Cool. I've never played any of the Resident Evil light gun games, but it seems like one of those things that's just like chocolate and peanut butter, right? Like one of those things that just is a duh, and you should put those two things together. Uh, I don't know if I'd say that about like Survivor, but uh, I definitely <laughs> try the Chronicles games. Okay. Yeah, well, I, yeah, <laughs> the first attempt not so hot, but uh, they figured yeah. it out late, later. Definitely, yeah. I like. I don't know how they do more of them on the Switch or something, but uh, maybe when PS5 VR comes out, uh, they'll figure out a way to keep that series going because it'd be it'd be cool to see. Maybe. Awesome. Well, Bill, what you got up next? So, uh, yeah, my top uh, is uh, is my background right now. It's one that people oh. have you know like heard of a little bit, but like oh, like yeah, I've kind of heard of that. As since the first time I played it, I have loved always loved police trainer um it's only ever been in the arcade as far as i know it's never been ported to anything as far as i know um but uh, it's one of these uh, just random machines it's you know like not terribly expensive i actually own the jamma board um just to throw into like a spare cabinet like uh, and i've got a couple guns so like once i kind of get around to that um it's it's uh it's got this kind of like um you know like kind of like virtual police trainer kind of look to it like very kind of like early 90s like lawnmower man style with like the polygonal like type characters um but it's just it's so cool and it's so like what i like about it is how fast it is and just how much accuracy it demands or like you're done so it's not like just like a pop in a quarter and then like play for a few minutes type deal like you could be done after like 30 or 40 seconds so it's basically you're trying to work your way up from like you know patrolman like all the way to chief so you start a patrolman and there's like six like areas that you have to pass and it's like um you know like accuracy judgment you know like speed stuff like that so the early levels are pretty easy we're like you know uh uh and when i say like kind of like lawnmower man style so in virtua cop like the bad guys like look like bad guys and like they have guns and stuff so um in uh in uh police trainer Every like v- like kind of virtual person is this same color like gold like polygonal like figure. The innocent people and the bad guys look exactly the same. <laughs> and the only difference is like the bad guys like slowly like raise like a gun to like point at you like a- as they're out there. So it takes like a lot more like kind of like discretion to figure out like no that's an innocent person. Um, I I love how uh, there's kind of like mini games in this that. 
I hadn't seen before. Maybe they were used in like Point Blank because there's nine billion mini games in Point Blank. But there'll be ones where it's like you know like sixteen or twenty like uh, 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 boxes, and you have to just hit them in number order, like in like one through twenty, and they're all randomized. So you're like, oh, like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Um, there's a really really good one that like it's almost it's got this like spinning orb. And then you, and it's uh, like you have to shoot the yellow orb. So you shoot the orb, and then it splits into a yellow one and a red one. And then every time you hit the yellow one, it splits again and it moves to like somewhere else on the screen. But you can't shoot the red one. You only have to shoot the yellow one. So it's like two things are appearing, and you got to do it quick because the timer is like really going down very fast. So there's another really good one that's a. Uh, uh, and they get harder, like, so when you get from, like, patrolman then to sergeant and, like, sergeant to detective. So the early one, it'll just have, like, a box with, like, four color patterns. And it might just be, like, you know, like, four, like, a, the circle is cut into, like, you know, quarters. And two of them are yellow, two of them are black. Two are red, two are blue, two are blue, two are green. And it's, like, match this one. And, like, so there's four options, and it'll show one. And it's just they all refresh at a time. So you're like, okay, that one, that one, that one, that one. And then the next level, there's, like, an enormous color wheel with, like, dozens of symbols. And it's like, all right, match this one. But the entire color wheel is, like, moving, <laughs> like, like a big wheel. So, like, it, it starts off, like, pretty, like, demanding your attention pretty early on. But you can do it. And then it, like, very quickly, like, demands you to get better. Um, but it's there's just something about it. Like every time I see it, I throw a quarter into it, and every time it's just it's just so much fun. And I love the amount of like uh, attention that you have to uh, to pay. Like I love how quick it is. Like uh, uh, there's just nothing I don't like about the game. I know there's a police trainer too. I have not played it because I haven't seen it anywhere, and uh, somehow I don't think that the uh, the emulation without a light gun uh, you know would feel the same. But uh, uh, but yeah, it's if you if you get the opportunity to uh, to fire up Police Trainer One uh, in the arcade, or if you have a decent light gun setup on your uh, emulation uh, setup, uh, highly highly recommend Police Trainer One. I've never even seen that game before. Who made it? Uh, it was. I'm sorry, I put you on the spot trainer. there. I would no, I no, it's it cool. Like yeah, it, but a big company. No, it's. I don't think it's any. I don't think it's anyone huge because it's. Uh, yeah, it was released by American company P and P Marketing. Okay, all right. <laughs> so yeah, it was so that yeah. Classic like, gaming company. Exactly right. It was made. It was made by Pelican and Interact. <laughs> <laughs> like when Mad so, Cats uh, took to, over like, Rock Band, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, but like I remember when Mad Cats became the official like instrument like manufacturer. And there was an update in the game, like, they added, like, because uh, it used to, it would load up and it was like, oh, you know, like, uh, Harmonix and, uh, you know, uh, Microsoft or whatever. And then when that happened, there was an update to the game and it showed the Mad Cats logo and I'm like, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why I've always had a, a bad feeling about Rock Band. Yeah, yeah, right. You're probably, more of a circle. Yeah. I remember I telling you that I was like, yeah, like I mean, teach his own, but like I, I love, love, love rock band. I don't dislike guitar here, which is between the two of them. I like rock band, and you were like, yeah, more of a circles guy. <laughs> <laughs> so, but yeah, so police trainer, um, yeah, P P and P P Ambersand P marketing, but yeah, I, I didn't okay. think it was like, I knew it wasn't like a big company. I couldn't remember the name of it, but like. Uh, and it's and the, uh, it says the sequel was developed, Police Trainer Two, uh, and it was 1996 that it originally came out. The sequel was in 2003. Whoa. 
also wow, by PMP a, marketing. That's a big gap, yeah. and I didn't Pretty think that big, company yeah. could exist that long that I've never yeah, heard. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, then the second one was put out by PNP Marketing and Team Play Inc. Oh. With such other hits as nothing else, probably. <laughs> I wonder if they like legitimately maybe sold these things to like police departments or something. I yeah, like, how could I, they? Honestly, made... no. Yeah, because that's late and, and t- in the arcade scene. I'll, and I'll tell you, it is the sparsest Wikipedia page <laughs> I maybe have ever seen. It's like, this is the name of the game. This is who put it out. Thanks for visiting Wikipedia. Wow. Like, there's okay. no info on okay. it. Well, then, there you got a job. Fill in the page. Yeah. Hey, I'm on it. <laughs> well, cool. Join my join, join the Kickstarter <laughs> if you want to learn the history of a police trainer. <laughs> um. The last one I'm going to mention is not because of the game. It's a little bit more of like what was happening in my life. So I'll try to keep the story somewhat reasonably short. Um, but it's House of the Dead Overkill. And <laughs> it, it's, it, I'm so curious what was going on in your life now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just weird happenstance. So, you know, I've, I've got a good buddy. And uh, as we've... You know, we've played games forever, and you know, so sometimes we'll just chit chat or share things or whatever the case was. But this game came out in very early February of two thousand nine, and it he'd been waiting. He's I think it was a GameFly, right? He had gotten it with GameFly uh, to check it out. But the reason why it was memorable is because um, that I had my transplant on February twenty eighth, and so basically. January and February, I was in the hospital and was very sick. I was going to be dead soon. So he brings me a Wii and this game that he had rented to the hospital, you know, and like, let's sit down and let's play like on the hospital TV, right? Let's play this uh, House of the I Dead. You were far away from the children's word. Oh, God. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> you know, yeah, trust me. And uh, yeah, not for kids, obviously. But when you're in a hospital and you don't leave for like a couple months, you got a lot of time on your hands and it gets really boring really fast. So, um, yeah, I don't even remember a whole lot about the game other than there's a lot of profanity and it was, you know, uh, it was just goofy fun to play. They, they like, they leaned into that for the marketing too. They're like, we're in the Guinness Book of Records because we have the most F words in a video game ever. Yeah, and it has like really kind of probably not great stereotype kind of characters in it and stuff. I mean, it was, you know, it was what it was and it knew what it was and it ran with it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. And again, I'm not here to talk about the quality of the game or anything else. It was just getting to spend that time doing a game that was easy enough for me to do, being very sick and sitting in a bed and having a friend bring all this crap over into a a hospital room. Let's hook it all up. And, you know, they don't make those TVs so you can hook your own crap up to them. At least not. Maybe now they do. They didn't then. So he's got to get up there and... Yep. I'm like, there's some. It's a lot, it's a lot like it's a lot like hotels. We're gonna get in trouble, yeah. right? But you know, whatever. Yep. Yeah. So he's up there unhooking things and hooking things up and <laughs> standing on the chair just yeah. so we could play this thing. But you know, we had a great time, and yeah. that was uh, really pretty cool for him to lug all that stuff out and spend spend part of a day mm-hmm. with me goofing off and playing uh, House of the Dead. That's why I remember. One of the things most about sitting in that hospital room <laughs> before all this, I was, really I was awesome. playing a lot of yeah, House of the Dead. That's awesome. Yeah, 
That's a great one. But no, you're right. it's it's a lot like like uh, hotels where like you kind of have to like to, like rip all of their stuff out that like has it's like feeding it like some certain like thing and then like reboot it and now I can put an HDMI in it. But uh, um, I I knew a guy who was in a hospital for a couple months uh, and he bought you know like those. Um, you see them at expos and stuff like that, but it's like that little like case yeah. that you open up and it's got like the console and like the screen like built into it, like you know the PlayStation or the Xbox or whatever. And I was like, oh, it's. And I was like, that's a great idea actually. And he said for that exact reason, like even if you can get your stuff running, it's really far away, you know. And it's and like, it's not a big TV. It, they don't put big TVs. Exactly. In there. Yeah. So yeah, but that's 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 a cool story that you have that for uh, from uh, that experience. Yeah. So crazy not, times. Not quite as touching, but I actually have a story about that game as well. Yeah. Um, my brother is 10 years younger than me, so I moved out right when he was like uh, like 8 or 9. So I don't have a ton of like really great memories with him from like his teenage and early years. Uh, so every once in a while I'd try and like spend some time with him, take him to the movies or something. And so I picked him up when that game came out. Um, and... I, I took him to like Walmart or Zellers or somewhere, and I was like, "Hey, just like let's pick a game. We'll buy a brand new game that we both want to play. That's two player, and we'll, that's what we're going to spend our weekend doing." And so he picked Mod Nation Racers, and I was like, "Sure, I love Mario Kart kind of games. Let's let's give it a try." So we bought that, brought it home, put it in the PS3 to install it, and it was like six hours update. And I was like, "Oh man, like what are we going to do for six hours?" So we watched a movie. And then I was like, I got, you know, if you don't tell mom, we can play this, this shooter I got too, because that'll kill a couple hours while we're waiting for this. So we put uh, Overkill in and uh, he like, he was giddy, like laughing and giggling. I don't think he'd heard that many F words in his whole life combined up to that point. And so, yeah, like we, we played through the whole game before Mod Nation Racers had even finished oh the stupid God. install. And it was it was a lot of fun and, I, and a good memory I have with my brother um, playing games because we don't actually have a lot of gaming memories together because of the age difference. I actually forgot how bad the PlayStation Three like patching system was, oh. like because I was I was more of an Xbox guy, but I got a PlayStation Three eventually, and I got in like rather late, and there wasn't like a ton of games I was playing, but I remember throughout the PlayStation Three life cycle, even like the the Sony guys, like all right, got come on, like th- this is really really ridiculous because like an update would happen and it's okay like i've updated it and then like the next week it would happen and it almost felt like you had to download like as much of the update as you did like the week before it was like not cumulative um and uh i just i remember how much people complained about it i never experienced a ton of it but with you talking about it i remember hearing stories like that endlessly throughout the lifespan that game too like once we had it installed it was like play a level two minute load until you could like play another level and it like it was really fun when you got to play it was Mm. like one of my favorite kart racers so that's one if they ever do like a remake for a ps5 or like an update Mm. version like i i would buy that to actually get to finally play it properly because it was such a nightmare so i've got so i've got to ask about overkill um i'm familiar i've I've heard of it i've never played it i just did a quick uh, search on this and as if they didn't have enough in the original game there's an extended cut did they That's add any PS3, F-bombs? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So did they, they add some F-bombs or there's just more levels? or never played it. I've only played the Wii version. Yeah, I can't mm. speak to the PS3 one. Gotcha. And the Wii version, also just from this curse research, is 
a very expensive game. Is it really? <laughs> yeah. Right like 140 what? to 200. dollars Wow. You got to be kidding no me. Yeah, let me look if that's what it's actually selling for, but like the first like thing that came up uh, just when you google it is like some some eBay listings that are like yeah, like 139 or whatever. Hang on. So wow. let's I thought do... it sold a little better cuz I remember the marketing the hell out of it. Yeah. That'd be I mean, I'm not saying it isn't, but that would surprise the heck out of me. Right. You guys have still have copies? No. Oh yeah. Like I, like I said, yeah. my friend Gamefly it is, so I never had a copy of it. Uh, those might be asking prices because <laughs> uh, this guy is definitely not selling for that much. So that was just a bad bad Google information. So was it it's, for? Yeah, it's like it's it's like twenty five oh, okay. thirty bucks. Okay. But like on the Google like main page, it was like available. Buy it now, one ninety nine. <laughs> Probably new sealed or something, right? But maybe yeah. I, I'd pay twenty bucks. To- I have it again, mm. but yeah, I wouldn't pay two hundred dollars to have it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, it is not my favorite House of the Dead game. Just have that good memory attached to it. Right, definitely, very cool. Definitely. Well, now that we've dug a little into that, it's time, you know, as promised, for some honorable mention time. <laughs> um, so again, we'll just we'll we'll throw it to each one of you, and you guys can go through your honorable mention list. Anything else you want to talk about with light gun shooters? So, Kelsey, you got anything else that's hiding in there? Uh, just a couple, because you guys actually pulled out a bunch of the ones that I had. Like, I wanted to talk a little bit about Virtua Cop, which you did. Time Crisis was brought up a few times. Um, uh, to the Earth, I'll, I'll bring that one up for the NES. Um, Nint- another Nintendo-published light gun game, um, where you're coming from, like, I think it's, you started Pluto, and you're working through the planets towards Earth, but there's, like alien spaceships trying to stop you from returning home, and you've got this vaccine to, like, save humanity. It is one of the hardest games on the NES, regardless of genre. Like, it is just so hard. And like we were talking about with Virtua Cop, like how tiring physically it can be to hold your arms up to play for a long time. So a game that challenging takes a lot of practice. And so I couldn't do long sessions of practice because my arms would get tired after like 30 minutes. And then I just start doing really, really badly because I couldn't. (laughs) point where I wanted to point as quickly as I wanted to point there. So I ended up moving my television onto the ground and like using some of my kids' toys to prop it up at an angle <laughs> so that I could sit on a chair and point downward at like a 45-degree angle because then I could do like a two-hour practice session rather than like a 20-minute <laughs> practice session. So that's how I had to play that game for like a week until I finally beat it because it was so hard and I wanted to keep... Because you had to learn where the enemy patterns are coming from. You know, is this guy coming from the top left, bottom left? Because you have like really short time to, to hit everything before before they kill you. That's funny. So, uh, yeah, it's challenging NES game. Um, it's a fun light gun shooter, though. Like, if you're looking for light gun shooters on the NES, it's definitely one of the better ones, even, even despite its uh, challenge. Um, and I think uh, oh, Target Terror for the Wii is another one I really, really like. It is very much in that like area 51 like digitized human vein uh it's it's my background right now um yeah. and it's just it's really really campy and it's just like you're trying to save hostages from terrorists and it's very cheesy like early 90s kind of kind of theme going on but uh just a lot of fun and very silly and the last one i wanted to talk a little bit more about is the terminator 2 judgment day arcade cabinet because I don't know what it was about that machine, but I saw it in a lot of places around BC here. 
Um, we went on like skiing trips with a friend of mine. He, he was a rich family. So I would tag along on vacations with him sometimes. And it seemed like every hotel and resort we went to had a Terminator 2 machine in it. And it is the hardest arcade game like I've ever played. I don't think I ever beat like the second level in that game. But it's just so, the atmosphere, and it's so cool. It's really easy to get lost in it because everything's so dark, and it's like that, the future where all the robots have risen up, and you've got the machine guns, and Arnold's on the side of the cabinet. It's just fantastic. Super, super cool theme. Crazy hard game, but uh, just, I, I like Terminator, so I, I like the game a lot. Cool. I've, I've seen that one. I've never played it. It is insanely hard, and but yeah. machine gun feels really good. Like the recoil in it, if it's working properly, it's it's very tactile machine. Awesome, Bill. I know you. You sound like you've got a, a an honorable mention list for us. Just, just a couple, because honestly, as the way we structured the discussion, as we kind of went through the generations, like the ones that kind of popped out or like stuck in my mind for those generations, we we mentioned already. So I really only have a couple. Um, uh, I didn't play this a ton, but I went through like a little bit of a working designs phase after I played Alundra. Um, so Elemental Gearbolts yeah, was one cool. that we spent a little bit of time with, um, and uh, like not a ton with, because I'm pretty sure I borrowed it because. Uh, once I found out that working designs games weren't always the most affordable uh, things out there, um, I couldn't just be buying working designs games all willy nilly. But uh, it's got. I've, I've I mean, got them all now. So if you want me to text pictures of them like that, I book would and send them. I would over, love I it. Do that. I need you to do thirty per second, and then like, I'll look at them. You know, like <laughs> I'll add scan lines. Uh, that'd be great. Okay. Um, but yeah, Elemental Gearbolt. Um, so if you know working designs, um, they do. Uh, uh, you know, they, they specialize in RPGs, but it's so it's like. So it was like a shooter, but like I remember like RPG elements where um, uh, just like not anything I had, I had seen before. Um, so uh, uh, that was one that I just wanted to bring up real quick. Also, one of the of most expensive it. special editions on the PlayStation where you can buy it. Like, Is it really? Like, it comes in like a briefcase with like the guns, like foam cut out and everything. Like, <laughs> crazy expensive and hard to find. Very cool. Yeah, and then the other one is uh, um so it it wasn't on a gun uh on the system that I played it on at uh, home, but it was on a gun uh in the arcade um and that was uh Mad Dog McCree. Oh, yeah. Um just like a just like that that uh you know early 90s like full motion video like when they said like oh this is going to like be the new thing in games and it's going to replace everything. So on the home systems there were some games like you know Ground Zero Texas and Mad Dog but that were just like you would aim with the controller and just kind of slide the cursor uh, or the stylus or whatever over um but uh, Mad Dog 2 it was this weird like I wouldn't go so far as to call it campy because it like it's almost like it it does it it takes itself seriously enough where, like, you feel like they think they're making, like, a really good Western story, but, like, you're watching it, and it's, like, you can tell, like, they're all actors that couldn't get jobs, so, like, they made this video game. That um, reminded but, me, too, we didn't mention the 3DO at all, but it had that game and a bunch of other, like, gun games and, and peripherals on it, too. Yeah, so, so it was Mad Dog McCree, Mad Dog McCree um, which is close enough to my last name that, like, you know, people would, like, you know, give me, like, a little, a little uh, you know, Mad like, Bill McGee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh, so Mad Dog 2... Which they lost the McCree, which is weird, but it was just the lost gold. So that's the one I played on 3DO, and uh, it's 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 pr- uh, I wouldn't say it's super tough, but like it's tough enough where like 
you you can die very quickly. Like you don't get a lot of leeway with that. Like because they wanted to make it like oh like you know you lost the draw and like that's it. You just got shot in the head. There's no like extra health. So like <laughs> you would have to watch a lot of like FMV intros like over and over again because you would just die. So like you'd be riding in with like you know like. Uh, like you know, like uh, uh, you know, Oldie Olson or whatever, like riding you in with like the big white beard, and he's like, "Whoa, looks like this guy." And then like you would have a shootout with a, a guy would like jump out from behind a wagon and shoot you, and then it would load, and it was like, "Whoa, looks like this guy." And you would just hear that guy like over and over again. So I remember that was like the the annoying bit. I was like, "All right, I just have to kill this guy, so I have to have, keep keep having to hear this dude back here." Um, but, uh, yeah, so the Mad Dog, uh, series, um, also wanted to mention one that I don't know if it was, um, I can't remember if it was mentioned, um, Karn Evil was a Midway, uh, shooter. Okay. Either one of you guys remember that. this? No. So it was kind of like, I wouldn't say it's Area 51 style, but it's, it was like, uh, you know, like that, that theme where they just like haunted, uh, you know, like, like almost like the haunted house, like takes over like the entire carnival. So Karn Evil. So it was like... All, like all the guys that are like selling you like uh you know like cotton candy and stuff or like trying to murder you with like the pointy part of the cotton candy <laughs> so like it was just kind of like o- over the, over the top evil uh carnival uh type stuff so i thought it was uh, uh campy and funny and just worth a little mention but uh yeah most of the other stuff i think we talked about just during the discussion it's funny that you mentioned that it made me think of corpse killer <laughs> corpse killer yes. how bad yeah that was. yeah that, that was something else oh man uh, well, a few things I just, uh, one minute, well, I mean, you know, one thing I was surprised that Kelsey threw gumshoe out there because I thought I was going to be the only one that would talk about uh, the I virtues of I was surprised you were able to yeah. talk about that with me too. That was I great. played the crap out of gumshoe when I was younger. because uh, again, it was one of the games I had. Well, I didn't have it. My, it was my cousin's. But anyway, you know, you mm. played it because you could borrow it. Um, <clears throat> to go back to my buddy that had the Sega Master System, you know, since he had the 3D glasses and the gun, he also had Missile Defense 3D. Ooh, so the glasses? You, yeah, you could use the 3D glasses and the phaser at the same time. So you're shooting 3D thing. So it's like what it is. Like there's like, you know, you're like looking at mountains and there's missiles flying around and you got to shoot them. <laughs> and it's the 3D is actually pretty good with those glasses on the master system. So, I mean, mm. as far as like the most awesome game in the universe, no, it's not, but just that mm. cool factor of it being 3d and a light gun game back at the time was cool enough to be like, yeah, let's go play that one again. Um, mm. so we played quite a bit of missile defense 3d. And then, um, <clears throat> I just wanted to quickly mention, not that I've got to play the game, but my buddy has the max rifle. Right. So mm. I, I know Nintendo. someone locally who's got one too. I've actually got to see it and hold it, but same thing, not play the game. Yeah. So his, um, his gun doesn't work. He's got the game and the gun and he's like, I got to get this working. He's like, he, he mentioned to it, but he lives in, um, uh, Missouri. So he's mentioned before, he's like, Hey, you know, maybe you could take a look at it and fix it. And I'm like, well, it's probably pretty simple device. So, I mean, I could take a look and if it's something like the, trigger or something you know but i you know mm. i don't if it's the sensor i don't you know we, we could take a look at that but uh, mm. um yeah i got to play around with it snapped a few photos of of holding the max rifle <laughs> that was that's kind of fun um and you know i just as we talk about these things the only other one that sprang to mind that i played a lot in the arcade was operation wolf which obviously got <laughs> like an nes port not again not the most cool game in the world 
But um, it was really cool because at the time it had the button on the gun that shot the grenades. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, and it had that like force feedback and it was like one of those first games like that that I remember that was just, you know, and it would just rattle the tar out of your hands. I've got a short, funny Operation Wolf story too. Uh, The same buddy that I had the Virtual Cop in his uh, garage. Um, I had an Operation Wolf machine that I just picked up. Hadn't been able to test or anything yet. I'm like, hey, can I bring this to your place and we'll plug it in and see what we can get going? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So bring it to his house, plug it in, game boots up. Awesome. I don't need to do much tinkering. You know, the I'm like, oh, the tint's a little off. Like, I'm going to just uh, twist the knob in the back. Touch the knob and boom, sparks fly out, <laughs> smoke, fire, screenshot. Oh, my I'm God. Like, what the heck happened? I was never able to get that machine working again, and I don't know what I did to it. That's so fu- it's funny you say that because before you said that I was gonna say that's one of the machines that Lance could like never get like working like we we would be like late in the warehouse just like tinkering with some stuff playing some games and he was like you want to take a look at this Operation Wolf and we would turn it on and like just one problem after another like he's like I know that piece is good I know that piece is good I know the speakers are good and like sometimes one thing would work and then something else wouldn't he's like uh, sometimes you know just with these with you know sometimes you just get a machine that like you know, like he's, he's had machines effort. where you just got to like take all of the wires out and then just get a new jam, a wiring harness and just wire everything legit from scratch. And then it works. Cause like you just don't know what wires are good or whatever, but uh, yeah, we could never get the operation wolf running. It leaves you in a weird situation though. when it's at a buddy's house. Cause he's expecting like a machine he can play. And I'm like, so yeah. can I still keep this? In the garage? <laughs> yeah. It's not going to work. And you never got, well, yeah, I mean, no, it worked for about thirty seconds, and then. Mm. Uh, but it was it the monitor chassis that caught fire, or what caught fire? Uh, something out of the monitor, yeah. Oh my god! It was just a real quick, like went, yeah, spark burst I flame. If it was the flyback or something died on it, but yeah. Well, and well, because if because if the tint knob was it on the um, the neck board, um, like we're like we're kind of like the the big glass tube like kind of comes to a point in the back, and then there's yes. like a little board yeah, on the, I think, yeah. I think it was in that one. Because sometimes it's oh, on the God. neck board, and sometimes the it's neck? if because if, if the because if the neck I mean if you really only touched it a tiny bit if the neck board already had like a crack in it and Pretty like strong I might have just okay. overdone it not even known you know All right. I think yeah. you would have heard though no. you'd hear the vacuum go if you broke yeah. the neck the, yeah. the, these things like it came out of a big collection that was in storage for like twenty years so mm. I don't know what kind of shape it was in and I know no one had touched it in a long time so. Mm. Uh, yeah, you're a brave man just throwing the switch and seeing what happens. <laughs> I think I'd be like, oh, let's test the power supply first, and then let's, you know. I, I had mostly good luck with that. <laughs> that was one of the <laughs> situations where I didn't. Cool. Well, um, awesome. Were you guys have anything else uh, when we are talking about light guns? I mean, obviously this is a big topic. Shout out to Chiller. <laughs> Baby boomer, <laughs> right? Oh, my God. Yeah. Baby boomer. Um, thankfully the game where you're not trying to shoot the baby, uh, but, uh, <laughs> trying to protect yeah, they the baby. didn't gum shoot that one, thankfully. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously. Oh, uh, actually, actually, oh, actually the, I did want to mention this real quick. Not any one in particular, but all kind of like the modern arcade uh, shooting games. The one where you're like in a Jeep and you're in Jurassic Park oh, and yeah. like, you know, like with stuff chasing at you. Stuff, yeah. yeah, there's like Halo and like, you know, so that's kind of like where the light gun game is kind of like landed now because of that accessibility. It is still a thing that you can just, 
you know, stick a property on it, you know, aliens, you know, transformers, like, you know, Terminator, whatever. Um, but yeah, cause we go to, we go to hockey, um, every week and they, they do still have a little arcade and I sent you guys some pictures of it. It's kind of like the modern equivalent of like sticking your like memory card into like the Neo Geo machine or the, uh, or the Gauntlet Legends. They have like a little spot like where you can like link your Xbox gamer tag to it to like get <laughs> achievements while you're in the arcade, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, so, uh, those, those modern, uh, uh arcade shooters just want to get a quick shout out. Yeah. I didn't play it, but there's, um, there's one that's like a firefighter game that's like these big hoses that you pick up and oh yeah <laughs> i've seen i've seen ones without yeah it might, it might not be the same one you're talking about I've, I've seen like arcade games with hoses uh-huh. that's a that's a cool idea and the same thing it's, with it's the sh- um there is a luigi's mansion arcade game where you have yeah, the so the cool sucker you know thing and you're sucking mm. up ghosts i've played that one um it's just a shame those games are priced so high like they are cool and neat but it's like Two bucks, two fifty a pop to yeah. like play them. They're big and, and you don't yeah. get yeah, that long in a in a shooting. Yeah. Game, so well, yeah, yeah right. like the, and some of them, some of them more. Yeah, some it's like oh, like like a like a buck a game, and it's like thirty forty seconds. So like or like we put five bucks on a card for my kids, and then they they slide the card, they shoot a basketball, and it's like all right, like I don't have enough money to play anything else because like the way that the you know the thing is, yeah. but uh, yeah, it's crazy how much they want for it. Just you know with the, the modern games. Yeah, not really economical anymore. Well, um, so yeah, obviously we wanted to talk about uh, Ligon games because they've been so huge and it's been such a thing for a different amount of time. They've lived in different forms uh, and they've been a good enough chunk of our gaming lives to to definitely warrant (laughs) some time talking about them. So um, let's wrap up, kind of talk about our usual things. But, um, you know, first off, again, thanks to our patrons. And so, again, if you want to join so the much. Patreon, so much. just jump over to patreon.com, look for CollectorCast, jump in, throw us a buck. Uh, we'd appreciate every bit of it. Yep. Uh, the uh, other quick thing to mention is, um, uh, again, you can find Kelsey's fine work. Uh, where can you find that again, Kelsey? Uh, just follow me on Twitter is the easiest way. I post it all in there. It's at Kelsey Polnick. Very K-E-L-S-Y-P-O-L. good. K-E-L-S-Y-P-O-L. Okay. And don't forget the Kickstarter by the time this show releases. Yeah, I will definitely post a link to that on the Twitter. Excited for you on that. Bill, if you want to catch up with you, where can they reach you? Uh, yeah, Twitter is probably the best spot. Uh, B-I-L McGee, M-C-G-E-E. And, uh, uh, yeah, I'd want to mention real quick to the patrons, um, the uh, Batman Book Club is going uh, well. So uh, it's still early enough in Nightfall if you want to join in with us. Uh, uh, Kelsey and I have just about talked to talk about, about the, Zaz. yeah. We, so we we've talked about the the possibility of maybe you know once we kind of get like enough of like a chunk of the story uh, underway, like maybe we'll do like a little side conversation if there's uh, you know enough interest in that. Like we're certainly interested in doing that. Um, but yeah, would would love anyone to jump in if you've been you know a little bat curious and just wanted to you know get a a, a good story to kind of come in and and uh, and get started with. But yeah, we're, there's a there's a whole lot of uh, of interesting things happening uh, even uh, early on in Nightfall. So if you want to come in and join us, it'd be great. Like how stains move around Bullock's shirt in different panels. Yes, Super, yeah. it's a mystery. How did that happen? And I, I, I said to, uh, to Kelsey, I was like, oh, like maybe we should like you know have like an audio component too. And he's like, yeah, but then I can't send you pictures of panels. <laughs> <laughs> so I like doing both. So, uh, but yeah, it's uh, um, I do like uh, being able to share like because. 
you know, like, uh, oh, I really like the art in this piece. I really like the art here. And Kelsey's like, I have a continuity problem <laughs> from, <laughs> from this panel to this one. I'm like, you're not wrong. <laughs> I never realized how much Jim Gordon pushes his glasses up his nose. Every, every frame. Every it's frame. Like, and it's like, like a it'll different be like hand the, different times. Yeah. It's weird. And it's weird. Like, the mayor is talking to him. And and just like giving Gordon the business in the beginning of uh, of Nightfall, and I'm like, dude, like leave him alone. Like he's Jim Gordon, and every time it goes back to him, he's like, oh, well, sir, you know. <laughs> and then it goes back to the mayor. Oh, I'm gonna do all this stuff, and it goes back to Jim, and he's like in a different angle, like pushing the glasses <laughs> up. So, yeah, it's uh, it's not something I ever realized until you pointed it out. Now I'm seeing it. Yeah, you guys got to get in here and yeah. and chat with these guys because uh, I I stay out of bat chat. Uh, so <laughs> they're they're too far down the wormhole for me. But uh, yeah, get in and talk to these guys. Read, they're having some fun. Read more Superman crossovers. Yeah, something like yeah. that. Maybe these guys are best buddies sometimes. Sometimes. Yep. <laughs> uh, and if you want to follow the show's accounts, you know we're on uh, mostly Twitter. So at CollectorCast, uh, I'm, I'm usually the one posting there. I will post show updates on Facebook, but I'll be real honest, I'm not on Facebook a whole lot, so probably not the best communication tool on that one. And obviously, if you're on the Patreon, you can uh, hop on the Discord, give us a chit-chat, love to talk to you. Access to yeah. us probably more than you want to. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, and really, that wraps it up for us, so um, we'll, we'll talk to everybody next time. <laughs>